Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We are going to make a significant change to the starting lineup. We are going to elevate Sam to be the starting quarterback. So now, Sam Ellinger, despite the fact that Matt Ryan is fully guaranteed on his contract for the next two years, is now the starter. We did not hold up to our end of the bargain here, right? I mean, you came here and we promised you a top NFL rushing game and we promised you great protection. And we haven't really, as an offense, delivered on that. That's basically, you know, my message to Matt. This whole thing, there's something wrong here, man. There's something wrong with this football team. Because 1 through 53, or let's just say 1 through 52, they should be better than this. This team should not be struggling like this. Something... And it isn't just Matt Ryan. This is this is ridiculous. They're committed financially to Matt Ryan, but shoulder separation or no shoulder separation, Frank Reich says this was going to be the move. This yeah. is a sea change right now in Indianapolis. I'm blowing with the wind of change. Mark, I thought you'd throw in there, we have Matt Ryan. That was my favorite drop, and now I feel like I have to retire it already. Are you kidding me? This one's from Mr. Gilmore. Well, that one, that's, only timeless. That. that's a timeless classic. Just like <laughs> Winds of Change by the Scorpions, by the way. Hey, Jake, um, dear you or I that do the tease each day for the next day's show, and it was myself yesterday that did it, and you know, right as the show ended, started to hear that, you know, well, remember that Jim Irsay wanting to bump up Sam Ellinger to back up a few weeks ago? Uh, I'm starting to hear that that might turn into bump him up one more spot on the depth chart. So I ended the tease yesterday with, we'll recap Pacers and Sixers, and will Sam Ellinger be the Colts' starting quarterback moving forward? Did you really? Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, three hours later, before Halloween, that, that to me is the most jarring aspect to it. Again, I think there's merit. Frankly, I applaud the Colts for admitting that they were wrong. But the fact that we're sitting here on October 25th, and Matt Ryan's been benched for the first time in his NFL career. There are two ways to look at it, Kevin, and I want your viewpoint on this. I think we may disagree. Viewpoint one is that the Colts feel like they're close and they need something to get them over the hump to put them back in the mix. Viewpoint two is the Colts know it ain't going to happen this year, so they might as well start looking forward long term. Which way are you? Yeah, I think Jim Irsay believes this will be a jolt to get them back into whatever 2022 mix there is. I believe that deep down, maybe not in the front of their mind, but deep down they know it's over. And that Matt Ryan, you'd hit your ceiling. What what more were you going to do? With Matt Ryan, you were... The, key thing, the two key things here to me said there, and I'm going to say this so many times this morning, you're going to get tired of hearing it. But the two things that he said there, Frank Reich, that were key to me. Number one, it wasn't about the shoulder injury. 
If the, if the shoulder injury hadn't taken place, this would still be the move. Yeah, they easily could have hid behind that, which I think is Correct. something to get into a little bit later. And number two, we didn't do what we promised. That's an indictment on the general manager. Without question. So, somebody came to Frank Reich or, or whatever it may be and said, you know, this is the move that we need to make. And whether Frank Reich is, in his mind, justifying the move by pointing the finger at Chris Ballard, or whether Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay went to Frank Reich and said, this is the move that's going to be made because you didn't offensively come up with enough plays for Matt Ryan, whatever it might be. It looks to me like a couple of different scapegoats from different angles. But either way, Colts are a mess. Good Tuesday morning to you. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton here on what is a nice temperature start again to this Tuesday. Sounds like some rain in the forecast today. Um, Bob Kravitz going to join us a little bit later in the show. We'll get Bob's thoughts, obviously extremely plugged in with Jim Irsay, and get his thoughts. Bob was never one. I don't know if he never was, but certainly early in the year was calling for a benching of Matt Ryan. Um Jake, it's weird to sit here and think to myself, again, I'm applauding the Colts for admitting their mistake, but similar to the Pacers when they traded DeMontis Sabonis last year, I sit here on this Tuesday morning and think, for the first time since Andrew Luck retired, I see an organization, and maybe it's the owner, maybe it's solely the owner that made this call, but I see an organization that finally has said, here is a step towards the future. Here is an ounce of hope. Here is us saying that the short-term Band-Aid approach, patching up the tires, is no longer going to work. And for me, and I think for Colts fans out there, they should look at that as a sign of hope. It's not a major, I'm not talking about some giant, Sam Ellinger is going to have a statue next to Peyton Manning by 2030. But it's a step forward in the direction that I think you have to go at quarterback in the NFL. And to me, I think that is the most encouraging sign from yesterday. There are a lot of issues. You just pointed out, Jake, the lack of support that they provided. Matt Ryan, which was well said by Frank Reich yesterday. But more than anything, that move to me finally indicates an admittance of, all right, we need to do something different at quarterback and a commitment to finding the longer-term answer there the first sign of that happened yesterday. When a couple of weeks ago, it was maybe a month ago, I had a conversation with someone close to the Pacers. And they were discussing the the Pacers' complete rebuild. And the Pacers can call it what they want. It's a complete rebuild. And... It was not done overnight. It was not done in a vacuum. But in talking to the person that was trying to explain to me and essentially ask those of us in the media to understand the approach from the Pacers and have an understanding and therefore almost an apologetic nature to the fans about it. But in terms of that approach... The person I was having the discussion with, who has the ability to change some things for the basketball franchise in town, 
um, or has some some power. I guess. I mean, not. I'm not going to say who, but anyway, they just in the discussion they like inadvertently kind of not slipped up, but they just said. You know, it's like the Colts trying to win with a different quarterback every two years. You can't do that. And we couldn't get into that. We were in that trap with running back the same roster and being in a sixth seed every year. You eventually have to say enough's enough. And so the Pacers did a complete rebuild. I'm not saying the Colts are doing a complete rebuild, but I think it's interesting that the other franchise in town – had the wherewithal to see what the Colts were doing and say to themselves, they basically have their ankles in quicksand and they can't get out of it. This is the only way out of it. Now, is Sam Ellinger ultimately the guy, the question that that remains, Kevin, and we don't know this answer. Jim Irsay doesn't know this answer. Frank Reich doesn't know this answer. And that is, is Sam Ellinger the guy in terms of the future of the quarterback position of the Indianapolis Colts? Or is Sam Ellinger simply right now the guy that is representative of a change at quarterback of the future of the Indianapolis Colts? I want to answer that question. I think to be fair, it took the Pacers several years to admit that. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, no argument there. And not to turn this into a Colts Pacers. It's taken debate. the Colts several years, right, too. Right, right, w- w- without a doubt. Um, I don't think Sam Ellinger's Tyrese Halliburton, Jake, but I've always been a big believer in that. When you have a veteran quarterback, an aging quarterback, a Band-Aid, a stopgap, however you want to label the route the Colts have taken over the past few years, I think the backup should be a young guy. Because as soon as you realize that starting quarterback cannot get you to January contender-type level, which is very evident in this 2022 football team, then I don't need to see Nick Foles in the lineup. Right. I want to see the young guy. Well, it makes you wonder why in the hell they signed Nick Foles to begin with. Well, again, they thought they were Super Bowl bound or had a Super Bowl caliber team, so if Matt Ryan were to get hurt for a game or two, they would go with Nick Foles over a guy like Ellinger. Um, And so I have no issue in giving Ellinger a shot. I think his ceiling is like a really good backup quarterback. I find it very ironic that the Colts are playing the Commanders this Sunday and it's Taylor Heineke. I watch Taylor Heineke and think... Oh boy, I feel like I'm watching Sam Ellinger at times at Grand Park or in the preseason. Um, and you know, Ellinger, to his credit, made some big strides from year one to year two in arm strength, and that was probably the biggest question of him coming out of Texas. So, uh, at the very least, I think it's something new, and you're getting an answer on a young quarterback on your roster, and I think that's really important because there's no position in sports that changes more from practice than a game, than quarterback. Sam Ellinger literally has worn a red jersey for the last two years outside of some August football. Now he puts on a different color jersey. He does it against real NFL Sunday talent versus the you know, XFL arena guys that he primarily goes up against or went up against in the preseason. And now you're going to get an answer. And at the end of the 2022 season, you sit there and think to yourself, okay, we have an answer on Ellinger. Now it's time to decide the route to go at quarterback. Um, I think to go back to why the Colts are in this situation, for me, Jake, it goes back to the opening press conference that Chris Boward had when he said it's not about one guy, and he tried to downplay the quarterback position. And he believed that once Andrew Luck decided to you know, shock the world, that the Colts took this approach of, we'll let other teams develop the QBs. We won't go through those young QB growing pains. We'll go stopgap. We'll create this awesome environment that will be easy to plug and play. 
and we'll reap the benefits of you know veteran quarterbacks finding this resurgence, if you will, in Indianapolis. And it sounded good, but it's failed. And I saw the stat going around Twitter a lot yesterday. If you take out Andrew Luck's money, it's $115 million. The Colts have committed to quarterbacks since Luck's retirement. A first-round pick, a couple third-round picks in trades, and the results have been no playoff wins, no division titles. And here you are once again at the midway point of the season needing gobs and gobs of help. So now it is a admittance, a reluctant admittance, primarily from the owner. Again, this is heavily owner-influenced. That today, October 25th, is the first time since Luck retired that there is a commitment and I think an admittance of like, all right, we've got to do something different at that position. On the day that Andrew Luck retired... Kevin, I'm going to name the franchise. You tell me who their starting quarterback was. The day that Andrew Luck walked off the field and that preseason game walked into that press conference and said, yeah, it's true. I'm retiring. Uh, New England. Brady? That is correct. The Chargers. God. Uh, Rivers? Yep. Cleveland Browns. Baker? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Wentz. The Los Angeles Rams. Golf. Yep. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Gosh. Uh, I got nothing. Jameis Winston. Got it. Tennessee Titans. Tannehill. Marcus Mariota. In 2019. Miami Dolphins. Fitzpatrick? Josh Rosen. So since then, and I know it's easy for people to say, well, the, you know, because I saw it yesterday. You hear it less, but you hear it. Well, the Colts, you got to keep in mind. I mean, Andrew Luck completely surprised him. Since then, the Rams have won a Super Bowl with a quarterback other than Jared Goff. The Bucks have won a Super Bowl with a quarterback other than Jameis Winston. The Titans have gotten a number one seed with a quarterback other than Marcus Mariota. The Dolphins have gotten themselves back into contention with a quarterback other than Josh Rosen. The Browns have spent, and you could certainly make an argument that this is the wrong one, but you know, invested in a long-term quarterback. The Eagles are undefeated with a quarterback other than Carson Wentz. The Patriots last year were in the playoffs with a quarterback other than Tom Brady. It can be done. It's just a matter of making that move. It's like jumping into a pool that you know is cold water. Doesn't take long for your body to adjust in the water to get warm, but standing there knowing that you've got to jump into it right. is the first step. And Chris Bauer just stood on the diving board. Way too long, right? Yeah, that, I think that's a really, really good analogy. Uh, we'll play some Frank Reich audio from yesterday. Again, Sam Ellinger, the starting quarterback this Sunday. It is a grade two shoulder separation for Matt Ryan. Reich did say yesterday that... Um, the injury is not impacting the Colts' decision on this. He said if this was kind of a normal week and they'd be sticking with Ryan, there would actually be a chance he could play on Sunday. But he will not practice this week. He will be inactive. Nick Foles will be the backup. Um, so is Zaire Franklin the only captain that on the field that plays? I can't remember who else the captains were. Do you? Oh, they got a lot of them. Don't they have six? I thought they had one on each, like special teams, one offense, one defense. I thought Nelson was a captain, Taylor, Buckner. 
Buckner would make sense, yeah. Buckner, Franklin, Leonard, Nelson, Kenny Moore, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Now, does Matt Ryan, does he get to keep... Did Matt Ryan just play the final game of his NFL career? Yes. Certainly his final game was a Colt. I, you can't take the egg off the face at this point, right? If Matt Ryan wanted to continue to play, Kevin, I think there are probably there's probably a team out there that would give him a shot next year. How about you trade him before the deadline next Tuesday? That I mean, we, we can get into this more later in the week, Jake, but some quarterback tears ACL this weekend on a playoff team. If I'm the Colts, I'm saying, you want Nick Foles or Matt Ryan? Please. Please. I, I think this move yesterday, again, owner-driven, is an indication of if Stephon Gilmore comes to me and says, oh boy, this, is, this isn't what I signed up for. Care if we entertain some trade offers and you can get a nice draft pick back for him? I'd do it. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Then, though, Kevin, you are admitting that this yeah, is a rebuild. Yeah, but you know what, Jake? It's time to look towards the future. I, I mean, I'm with you, obviously. Yeah, that's I, To I, me, that's what this is. I know to that's me, devil's advocate, this, but... This, uh, to be as point blank as this, to be as point blank as this, and I'm not saying it happened this way, but to simplify it, to me yesterday what happened was, and I know this isn't exactly how it happened, Kevin, but just to put it in the form of like to make it understandable. To me yesterday, Jim Irsay walked into a meeting, threw down a playbook, and went, guys, it's over. It's over. Frank, you had your shot. I I, I brought you. We, we went out and got you Carson Wentz, and it didn't work out. Chris, you said that we had the trenches to be able to bring in a veteran quarterback, and it didn't work out. So guess what? We're going with my guy now. It's over. You guys can do what do with your toys what you want, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, we're no longer playing with the Tonka trucks, and we're no longer playing with the sit and spin. Uh, here's the big wheel that I want you to play with. Have fun. <laughs> sit and spin. Those were awesome, weren't they? Did you ever do a pogo stick? Were you a pogo stick? Yeah, no, I'm not coordinated enough. It actually kind of feels like at the quarterback position for the last like five years, the Colts have been just doing a pogo stick. It, you're just jumping up and down, doing the same thing, hoping you don't hurt yourself it's like and a not pogo, getting anywhere. Pogo stick with a bunch of roller skates on the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> on on ice. Yeah. Um, I think to kind of summarize just my thoughts yesterday, Jacob, it is just so jarring to think that they have benched Matt Ryan before Halloween. And again, there is merit. There is merit with Ryan's own play. And as Frank Reich, again, accurately pointed out yesterday, the Colts have not supported him in any way, shape, or fashion to the level that they thought they would support him. But teams wait too long to admit that they are wrong. No question. And I guess that rhymed. I didn't even, didn't even mean it to rhyme. But... This, to me, is a sign in that direction of, all right, let's get an answer on Ellinger. And again, my belief is nice, high-level backup. But you try young, you try youth, you finally put him into an NFL game. He's never thrown an NFL pass. He's got some legs. He can provide a little bit of a different feel to your offense. You play him for 10 games. You get to the end of the season. And then you evaluate and make a move that, should have been entertained more seriously in the previous off seasons, and that would be drafting the quarterback of the future. It's funny. I remember, like during the preseason, you know, during camp, when people started calling in, and I, I can't remember which one of the two of us was like, "Are they going to have to keep a roster spot for Sam Ellinger?" And at first, it was kind of like, "I don't know. They, they might. 
They seem to like him. Great preseason. 24 of 28 in the preseason for Ellinger. You know, it just, it's gone from there. I mean, a week, it is amazing to me think, amazing to me think, it is amazing for me to think, Kevin, that nine days ago, nine days ago, I had mentioned and was rightly questioned for it. When I said, watching the Jacksonville game, all I could think to myself was Matt Ryan looked really good, but it doesn't change the fact that they are inevitably still within two years going to have to move away from that. And you very rightly, and I think it was Tracy the caller very rightly said, look, man, they just won yesterday. Like that's the wrong time to bring that up, which it was because neither of us had any idea that actually that was eight days away. And here we are. I, I never would have guessed it was coming at that rate, to your point. And I I just get the... Here's a better question for you, Kevin. The exact same thing happens on Sunday. The exact same thing. The Colts look anemic on offense. Frank Reich says to the woman doing the sideline report that, you know, hey, I told my team this is exactly where we want them. This is how we what we do. We score, and then we're back in the game, and we have Matt Ryan. That's the we exact... Matt Ryan. Yes, that. That exact same scenario takes place with Jim Mercer sitting there watching, but it's in Glendale, Arizona against the Cardinals. Are uh, we having this the, discussion? I thought you meant the Super Bowl this year, Glendale, Arizona. Uh, Matt, Jim Mercer wanted Matt Ryan benched earlier this season. He did. Had to be talked off the ledge of it. And that was when they promoted Ellinger. That was the first sign of, hey, we'll listen to you, but we're not going to go fully there. Right. Well, the there there cannot be any denying that for Jim say there are two things that are the ultimate cardinal sin. One is losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars anywhere, and the other is losing to Tennessee for the second time in the same season. And looking flat doing it i don't know how the vibe you got from fans i got a general like relief with yesterday's news i got more of just an incredulous nature of like are you kidding me yeah i mean certainly there's some of that but like a relief of like you know what i'm kind of looking forward to watching sam Ellinger no i Sunday. would agree with that again once you know the answer is not there i.e matt ryan move on i mean i remember when kelly holcomb got snaps and people were like Oh, let's see what this guy can do. You know, I, Paul Justin. I mean, there have been different guys. I, I I tweeted it last night. In the 14 years prior to Peyton Manning's arrival, when the Colts came from Indianapolis, they used, I think, 14 or 15 different starting quarterbacks. Sam Ellinger will be the 13th since Peyton Manning's departure. Or since Peyton Manning's final snap. Because they used a couple of them in that year when he was still on the roster. But still, th- th- this is life in the NFL, Kevin. For most franchises, this is life in the NFL. We'll get more into the Sam Ellinger impact of things, where he will change this offense um, for those that I think most people know, but it's a pretty incredible story, Sam Ellinger getting to this point um, in his life, frankly. He's been through a lot off the field. Um, Again, a quarterback that can definitely make plays with his legs. Uh, Went with Tom House, who's become this kind of household quarterback guru in the offseason. Changed his motion a bit, improved his arm strength. I think you saw some of that. At least I saw some of that in training camp and in the preseason. Obviously, though, 
This is a guy that still has yet to throw a pass in an NFL regular season game, and it'll be a big jump for him. Now being game plan for and throwing to guys that he probably hasn't thrown to very often in practice, and then, of course, having to do it at NFL speed on Sundays. But Sam Ellinger versus Taylor Heineke at 425 p.m. on Sunday. Is that how we all drew it up? <laughs> exactly how we drew it up, right? Uh-huh. You know, when the schedule makers said Colts and Commanders at 425 back in May, let's put them in more of a national spotlight. Heineke Ellinger was on the tip yeah, they of their to get tongues. Sam back in his Big Twelve. You in a, know, in a week schedule. that right. started with Gus Johnson doing the game. In a week that be. started with the discussion of the removal of the Washington owner. It ends the week with the removal of the quarterback of the Colts. Jim Irsay's Jim Irsay's all over the map with that man. I mean, I mean that in a good way, not a bad way. Crazy First time stuff. Matt Ryan's been benched in his 15 year NFL career. That's got to be right, unless health. I mean, I don't know his health history in Atlanta, but right. I mean, first, I mean, this first is performance based. Reich made it clear yesterday this is not due to injury. That's what I mean. I'm saying I don't know in Atlanta if there was a time where he missed games because of injury. We'll take your calls three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Your thoughts on this move yesterday from the Colts? Again, the benching of Matt Ryan jarring without question due to the date. Some merit behind it. I would go there, and finally, an admittance from the franchise that the band aids. To Jake's pool analogy, it's like jumping into a pool with a Band-Aid. It's falling off constantly, and it's time for more of a commitment at that position. Uh, Bob Kravitz going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin and Quarry, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's a new starting quarterback this Sunday, 425, Sam Ellinger, as Matt Ryan has been benched. Here was Frank Reich yesterday on the lack of support the Colts have provided, Matt Ryan. This is another point that needs to be made crystal clear, and I told this to Matt. Right? Hey, Matt. We did not hold up to our end of the bargain here, right? I mean, you know, you we you came here and we promised you uh, one of the uh, a top NFL rushing game, and we promised you uh, great protection, um, and we haven't really, as an offense, delivered on that. And that really starts with me, right? So that's basically, you know, my message to Matt is that I we I thought we thought the marriage of Matt Ryan and his history with our running game. He's been he's had 14 years of incredibly productive, great quarterback play with with great play action. So we just thought there was going to be a natural marriage there. It made a lot of sense. It just, you know, given our crazy quarterback. Crazy quarterback scenario that's accurately describing um, the Colts situation and probably not a ringing endorsement of how. Uh, himself and Chris Boward have gone about business over the last few years. Let me read you the most indicting thing that you can get if you're the Colts this morning. This from Mottman, who's a lifelong Lions fan. Are the Colts getting advice from Martha Ford? They need to keep cycling quarterbacks until they find a Thanksgiving Day Mike McMahon equivalent. Remember Mike McMahon oh had like gosh. his one day. Did he go to Rutgers? I, th- I think I recall but that. Yeah. When you're getting mocked by Lions fans. Mike McMahon could move. I think that's what they're I, hoping with Ellinger. He's Sam Ellinger, right? That was his thing. When you're getting mocked by Lions fans, it's time to reinvent the wheel. Colts back to practice tomorrow as we get ready here for week eight. 
Last night, Jake, the Pacers lose 120-106 to the 76ers. Benedict Matherin really struggled in the first half. Looked human. Uh, missed his first seven shots. Much better in the second half from him. Uh, but about what I expected with the 76ers coming in at 0-3. Yeah, competitive for a while for the Pacers, and then the Sixers kind of pull, uh, pulled away. Joel Embiid, 26 last night. James Harden had 29 for Philly. Other winners in the NBA last night. Toronto, New York, the Bulls. The Rockets, the Grizzlies, San Antonio. San Antonio, if they're trying to tank, is doing a, you know, that's uh, that's a couple Three wins, wins now. For now. Yeah, already over Minnesota and uh, Portland, 135-110 over the Denver Nuggets. Jalen Smith did have a good night for the Pacers, 17-10. and 10, And again, him playing that four position has been beneficial the past couple of nights. Uh, all right, Thursday night football. Mark, congrats to your Bears. That was really impressive. That was a good, mean that. good game. In all seriousness, they come out, they score the first 10. Patriots respond with 14 straight. Then the Bears end the game 23 unanswered. Justin Fields, a little bit of throwing, a little bit on the ground. And that Bears defense under Matt Eberflus, pretty good against the Patriots. Uh, so now 3-4 and four on the season. Mm-hmm. Chicago there as they get the Monday night. This is one of the darkest days in Boston sports history. I always <laughs> like having that one handy. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll continue the Colts conversation coming up. Take your phone calls. If you guys got any thoughts, Twitter as well, at KBowen1070, at Jake Query on Twitter. Sam Ellinger, the starter here in Indianapolis. Jake, I want to go back to earlier this offseason and just a little bit of background and how the Colts got to Matt Ryan. Um, again, the owner in particular, irate with Carson Wentz, and I do think Chris Ballard understood that. I think Frank Reich was potentially willing to give Carson Wentz another chance, but um, the Colts did not have the first-round pick due to the Carson Wentz trade. Um, So basically, Chris Bauer told Frank Reich, all right, here are the free agent quarterbacks. Will you evaluate them? So the Mitchell Trubisky's, Jameis Winston's, Andy Dalton's, I forget who else, Marcus Mariota's of the world, evaluate them. Let me know what you think. Frank Reich came back to Chris Bauer and said they all stink. They can't lead us to a division title. Um, Ballard said, all right, we'll just wait for the last one to be available. We'll hope some dominoes fall with Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and we will hopefully be in a position to where we can benefit from that. Obviously, Rodgers, nothing happened there. The Wilson move led to Drew Locke going to Seattle, so it's not like anything really developed there. And then, of course, the Deshaun Watson process eventually played out Atlanta's interest sparked Matt Ryan thinking to himself okay uh, my future is not here and boom that's where the Colts entered the picture and now where you're at here on October 25th I think it's Jim Irsay looking at this and saying wait a minute we don't have a vertical passing game we're dinking and dunking and the O-line stinks and the quarterback right now is turning the ball over more so than anybody else in the NFL, we could really use a QB that can move. And I saw the answer to this similar pattern play out last season. Let's do something different. And that's where you're at with Sam Ellinger now as your starter here in Week 8. And as Frank Reich said yesterday, the plan is for Sam Ellinger the rest of the season. Here is the other way to look at this, Kevin. Jim Mersey, I think, was on board with Matt Ryan. Because he wasn't Carson Wentz. And I think, you know, Matt Ryan obviously came in with a very lofty resume. The raves, rave reviews in camp. 
and everybody's all excited. So Jim Mercer watches Matt Ryan play and thinks, wait a minute, something's off here. And to be fair, people are thinking the same in Denver about Russell Wilson. People are thinking the same in Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers, you know. But what this says to me is two things, Kevin. The first being, Jim Mersey decided, and, and believe you me, I don't know this for a fact. You probably know it better than I. But my assumption is that Jim Mersey walked in and said, Sam Ellinger's our quarterback. Enough. And that says to me one of two things. First, it says to me, that Jim Irsay knows that even at his highest level of play, that this Colts roster plus a perfect Matt Ryan is not a Super Bowl contender. Because if he thought there was a shred of evidence, to use Bill Polian's quote, or he thought there was a, a 1% chance that a steadied Matt Ryan playing at his absolute best and this roster could combine for a Super Bowl a Lombardi, as he talks about, he would still be taking that chance. He would still be waiting for that to happen. But I think what it also, so that tells me that he, he thought this roster isn't good enough. And kudos to him for, again, admitting uh, again, that in late no, October. Uh, no question. The other thing, though, is I think, and this is where I think Jim Irsay, this is a very smart move. It's entirely possible that Jim Irsay may be asking himself, this might actually, we think, the Jake Queries of the world think that this move is some sort of an indictment on Reich or Ballard or whatever. It might be actually the preemptive to that because he may be saying, Jim Mercer may be saying to himself, I know that this roster, as it is tabulated, I heard Frank Reich saying, we didn't give the pieces around Matt Ryan. But in fact, what I need to determine is, was the problem the quarterback? Is the problem the offensive line and the receiver? Or was that was it the quarterback who couldn't hold on to the football and was just too, too old and hesitant at times? Am I getting a fair assessment of the roster that my general manager has built? I want to see what it looks like with a young, mobile quarterback. And if then they continue to still suck, then I know... Everybody should be on the hot seat. But I want to make sure that I have witnessed every variable of the equation before I make any drastic change in that regard. So we assume that this move was made as an indictment on Ballard and Reich. But in reality, this move might be made as the first step of the analysis of Ballard and Reich. But either way, I don't believe they made this move with the thought that Sam Ellinger is their long-term option and answer at quarterback, but at the same time, they you can't rule that out. I mean, you need before you make the decision that he's not, you've got to give him the opportunity to show what he can do. Yeah, I think it's important to evaluate him. And I think far too often you see young quarterbacks get drafted and then you just never give them an opportunity to play. And as I said earlier, again, no position in sports. It's more different than practice than a game than quarterback. Um, and I think that you know that thought can be said for really any player drafted in professional sports. Of at some point, you need to give them a dress rehearsal, and it needs to be a committed one. And you need to see what happens when the lights are bright 
and you know what is real, how they react to that. So Sam Ellinger is getting a golden opportunity. Six-round picks, dream of this. Dream to get the opportunity that Ellinger is about to get here for the next couple of months. We'll take some calls here. Uh, let's begin with Scott. Scott, good morning. Hey, Kevin. This isn't about looking at Ellinger. Get a number top ten draft pick next spring, and then after and before that, Reich is gone at the end of this season, and uh, you can see that the uh, re, just one year retired uh, New Orleans uh, coach will be here, but he won't come unless he's got a franchise quarterback. That's the plan. So that's Scott right there saying, Sean Payton, you got to trade for Sean Payton. Uh, do you think Sean Payton's coming here to hitch his wagons to Sam Ellinger? You know, there are a lot of teams that are – what's what's really interesting is there really are a lot of parallels between the NBA franchise and the NFL franchise in town. And by that I mean people turning towards the lottery and like gifted players that they're looking at going, see, that's the answer. You want to put yourself in position right now. Only problem is in both leagues there's like eight other teams doing the same thing. You know what I mean? So going into the draft to get a quarterback, I mean, that's great, except for the fact that there are, you know, other teams that want to do the exact same thing. Again, it's it's weird to sit here and applaud the Colts for admitting they are wrong, but that's where I'm at today in that for the first time since the Luck retirement, you are seeing a franchise admit that they are not close. Kevin, let me let me read you something real quick. Okay. Mike Pagel, Art Schleister, Mark Herman, Matt Kofler, Jack Trudeau, Gary Hogaboom, Blair Keel, Chris Chandler, Tom Ramsey, Jeff George, Don Mikowski. Do you know what those guys all have in common? Those were all guys that were given an opportunity as the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts when the general manager's name was Jim Ursay. So Jim Mersey knows about the challenge and the difficulty of finding the right quarterback when you are building a franchise. Chris Ballard, in this case, will get more understanding probably than will Frank Reich because he is doing a job that Jim Mersey has done before and doing it with the same similar results. To that point, Jake, I've always found it odd that Ursay signed off on this continued band-aid approach. Fair. Yes. Like because Ursay lived quarterback purgatory. Fair, yes. As GM. And then saw what happened when he had Manning and Luck. And yet he continued to let his GM and his head coach operate. I'd say GM maybe a little bit more than head coach, operate with a band-aid approach. Yeah. Which is just a head scratcher to me. Michael says this, I think this sums up pretty much what I've tried to say so far. The most positive thing with this move is the Colts are no longer in denial saying we're close. Yeah. I, I think that sums it up. And again, Ellinger is the only other option. So it, it by no means am I acting like, again, you're going to build the Ellinger statue and he's going to have you but know, here's the thing. poster on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. So, but this is where you're at right now. Of like He's the only young option you have. You throw him in there. You see what you have. And you can look at it two ways. Jake, one, he shows you a lot of good signs, and maybe you have something, 
or two, he's terrible. You get an answer on him, and now you got a top ten pick for next season. So two weeks into the season, when Frank Reich, after they would lose a game, was saying like, you know, we're really close. I mean, we're just a couple of plays away from where we want to be. We're really close, and everybody rolled their eyes at it, and we were told that we didn't know what we were talking about. Was that Frank Reich flat out lying, or was that Frank Reich saying what he needed to to protect the status of Frank Reich? Because clearly they weren't that close. Because here we are a month later, and they've yeah, made a seismic Reich, change. Reich has just this incredible belief that they will get it figured out. I mean, I think if you asked him right now, literally we're like, do you think you'll make the playoffs the same Ellinger? He'd say yes. And he probably needs to say that. I, I get it. No, I mean, like, I think he legitimately means it. Like, if you hooked up a lie detector to him, I just think that's how R- R- Reich right. is wired. Which we got to do next, Mark. Chris has a really interesting one regarding the Commanders game this weekend. Chris, what do you got? Um, just my uh, my morning uh, thoughts on 465 traffic as I'm driving around. I was thinking about the norm when uh, owners visit uh, and are hosted in uh, during games. And thinking of Ursay's recent comments about owner Dan Snyder, that that's going to be an awkward exchange this coming Sunday or not. Chris, would you rather walk around 465 once a month or watch Scott Tolzien quarterback the Colts for the entire season? Um, it's been so many quarterbacks ago. I don't even remember specifically the details about him, but I would rather take a shot at Scott Tolzien versus what we've been doing the last, like, you know, five years. I've said it, Jake. Uh, Ursay and Snyder in the octagon at halftime. Tart Glenn, Ring of Honor, <laughs> postpone it a few weeks. Ursay and Snyder. Now, Ursay might need a few props, I think, to kind of help him out. I don't like that, just hands and knuckles and. That's saying it. he's going to grab like a steel chair? Like Ursay, I think it'd be advantageous if Jim had a few props there. Ursay certainly managed to take that storyline off of the epicenter of this game coming up, right? And again, I, think I mean, that was the focal point, was it not? I think Sam Ellinger's got some Taylor Heineke in him. That's possible. I don't think Heineke's terrible, right? Larry Overton texts me, Brendan Gauden on the call. This Sunday, former Butler Bulldog, right? I didn't know he does NFL. I knew he does college basketball. Maybe I didn't know he does. Was he the voice of Madden? Yes. Continue to take your calls. What will this offense look like with Sam Ellinger? We'll touch on that coming up. Again, the NFL trade deadline is a week away. I think this move, to me, is another indicator of you listen to anybody on your roster. And Kevin, are they remodeling or rebuilding? Um, it's a significant remodel because the most important piece of your house needs heavy attention. But do they have... I think a, you have some nice pieces. Do they have a good foundation and a nice HVAC within the house? Uh, No, quarterback probably is HVAC and electrical and the whole shebang. Quarterback just means everything. You you pay these quarterbacks an absurd... Again, $115 million. The Colts have paid quarterbacks, not named Andrew Luck since he retired... And the results have been zero postseason wins, zero division titles. You pay quarterbacks such an absurd amount because it can help cover up other areas that you just cannot get all the resources committed to. And I think the money you've committed to other players on the roster removes you from that rebuild mode. Fair point. They're now in some like bad cap situations with some guys, too. That like really wasn't a thing. And you mean they actually paid at positions that weren't as important as the ones they should have been addressing? I, that would be an accurate hmm. statement. 
Sounds East Gate Quarry, I'm Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here. Kevin and Quarry on a nice start to this Tuesday morning in Indy. We are going to make a significant change to the starting lineup. We are going to elevate Sam to be the starting quarterback. So now, Sam Ellinger, despite the fact that Matt Ryan is fully guaranteed on his contract for the next two years, is now the starter. We did not hold up to our end of the bargain here, right? I mean, you came here and we promised you a top NFL rushing game and we promised you great protection. And we haven't really, as an offense, delivered on that. That's basically, you know, my message to Matt. This whole thing, there's something wrong here, man. There's something wrong with this football team. Because 1 through 53, or let's just say 1 through 52, they should be better than this. This team should not be struggling like this. Something, and it isn't just Matt Ryan. This is this is ridiculous. They're committed financially to Matt Ryan, but shoulder separation or no shoulder separation, Frank Reich says this was going to be the move. This yeah. is a sea change right now in Indianapolis. Here I That was Frank Reich, followed by Ian Rappaport, Lewis Riddick, talking about the situation with the Indianapolis Colts making the change. Matt Ryan is out, and Sam Ellinger now. It, we've said this forever. Ellinger or Ellinger? Yeah, Gurr. Ellinger. Mm-hmm. I've got to Gurr. I've got to figure that out. Uh, Sam Ellinger now, the starting quarterback for the Colts, and there are several ways to look at it that Kevin and I have discussed. Good morning to you on a. Tuesday, Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It's Kevin and Quarry on 93.5-1075, The Fan. I, this, I think, by almost universally, those that cover the Colts accepted as a, a very strong Jim Irsay-influenced move. And again, I will go back to Kevin. To me, this means one of two things. It means either that Jim Irsay had seen enough and had concluded that there was not the body of work around Matt Ryan that even at Matt Ryan's highest level could lift the Colts to a Super Bowl. Because if he thought there was a chance that Matt Ryan under center could get things straightened out to the point where they had a roster around him good enough that they could win a Super Bowl, he would still be the starting quarterback. That's the first way to look at it. The second way to look at it would be that Jim Mercer looked at it and simply said... I feel like there are areas of this football team that are broken in the way that they're constructed, and the best way to truly assess the other areas is to remove one variable and see if that makes a change. And if we are still seeing the same porous offensive line with a different kind of mobility at quarterback, if we're seeing the same flat results from receivers that that are not making stretch plays with a quarterback that can buy time in the pocket then I know that those are the areas that need improvement but I've got to make sure that we check all boxes before we figure out where we re, where we are retooling but either way the Colts set now to start their 13th quarterback since Peyton Manning's last snap as an Indianapolis Colt that shirt's getting long it's kind of it like the Cleveland Browns shirt um Jake, this might sound crazy to some people, but I think Jim Mersey believes that in the short term, this is the move that helps the Colts the best. Um, I think he was absolutely fed up with Matt Ryan, and I think he looks at Ellinger and says, just don't turn it over. You know, I think back to a Peyton Manning quote that he says quite often. Hell, I even think he said it last night on the Manning cast. There is such... On the quarterback responsibility sheet, near the top of that sheet is... Get your offense out of bad plays 
And when you are in a bad play, don't make the play worse. And far too often this season, Matt Ryan had the Colts in bad plays and made them worse. So I think Jim Mercer says, you know what, Sam Ellinger? Yes, it's your first start. Uh, you're known as this you know, incredible processor and mentally there doesn't seem to be that big of an, you know, worry or concern about him in there. Um, so if you can just not turn the ball over at this incredibly alarming rate, can that help out the football team? And then two would be the threat of him making plays with his legs. And that is a huge difference from Matt Ryan. So honestly, I think in Jim Mercer's eyes, he views this as a potential to have more of a short-term upgrade. I choose to look at it a little bit bigger picture and say, yesterday, with Jim Mercer's coaxing, the Colts admitted that they continue to fail at finding a competent quarterback answer. Short-term and obviously long-term. And you know what, Jake? Like we saw it with the Pacers last year at the trade deadline, it's the first first step in the grieving process. It's the first step in saying, what we've tried... The blueprint we've believed in, the roster building, wrong. Now, how do we go and correct it? And that obviously doesn't have easy answers, but that's where you're at right now here in late October. This is the reality, Kevin, of life without Peyton Manning. And I think, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday, we talked about living by the exception and living by the rule. And Peyton Manning was and always has been in the terms of the National Football League, the exception. Having a franchise quarterback that carries you to Super Bowls and that takes every single snap for 12 straight years is the exception. The rule is that quarterback is the hardest position to figure out. And I think at times the Colts took for granted that they were able to go from one Peyton Manning right into the next in the form of Andrew Luck. And I know that Andrew Luck's retirement was a curveball. I get it. And I know that Andrew Luck, probably like Peyton Manning, masked some areas of deficiency around him because of his unique ability. I get it. But the excuse is over. As we talked about earlier, when when Andrew Luck retired, Marcus Mariota was quarterbacking the Tennessee Titans. Jared Goff was quarterbacking the Los Angeles Rams. Jameis Winston was quarterbacking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady was quarterbacking the New England Patriots. Baker Mayfield was quarterbacking the Cleveland Browns. Josh Rosen was quarterbacking the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Josh Allen was struggling through his rookie year, admittedly, with the Buffalo Bills. They stuck with him. But my point being, for those other franchises, they went out and found a guy and got him and had to make moves. Maybe that's where the Colts finally just decided, you know what, this purgatory of, and Jim Irsay knows it, Jim Irsay was the general manager from 84 to 93. He saw 15 different starting court, Blair Keel to Matt Kofler to Gary Hogeman to Don Mikowski. And so he, I think Jim Irsay probably then saw it and went, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Scott Tolzine to Jacoby Brissett to Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, enough. Let's Let's see what we have. And here's where we are. And unfortunately, this is life in the NFL for most teams at most times, unless you see it where you go, that's the guy we need. And I think in Jim Irsay's case, he is seeing it, Kevin, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but I think he is seeing it as, I think it's more 50-50. I get that you might think it's more 70-30, but I think he sees it as a combination of maybe this is the guy, 
but I want to make sure I check that box and rule it out before we go out and we find out who our next guy is that we hand the keys to the kingdom. But certainly it's not Matt Ryan. And if you're Matt Ryan, you probably call him Biff Ward back up, right? Okay, I let him know I've got property here. and Yeah, that's kind of awkward. Let me call the neighbors in Atlanta and tell them that they don't need to check my mail next week. Because Matt Ryan is not going to be here next year, right? $18 million, I believe, is the dead cap. I think it's a $35 million cap hit. If he retires, a huge chunk of that um, comes off the books. I think <laughs> right now, if you're a Colts fan, that's what you got to be hoping for. So what's the... What's the What's the uh, long-term solution the rest of the season in your guys' mind? Are you hoping Sam Ellinger shows you something? Or are you hoping you're just racking up losses and get a top-five pick? I I think you want an answer on Ellinger one way or the other. Like, you either want him to look unbelievable, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, here's a guy that's been in our system for a couple years. We think there's a legit chance to work with him. The arm strength has taken a huge step forward from the Tom House Um off-season work that he did, and he looks like a much different quarterback, or he looks awful, and you do get a top five or top ten pick, and now you know that Ellinger's not the guy, and you are committed to drafting the quarterback of the future. I think you just want clarity. Mm-hmm. You, you just don't want to be on this fence, and you think you got it, you aren't 100% sure, because in a way, that's what you've been for the last three years. You've been on this fence thinking, no, no, no. Uh, and again, Chris Bowers' opening press conference told the whole story for the next six years of him saying it's not about one person. He thought he could shortcut and band-aid it and do it consistently. And the reality is you can't do that in the NFL and expect to sustain any level of success. And in the Colts' case, no division titles and no playoff wins. You could argue they didn't have any success post-Andrew Luck. When Frank Wright came out and said... We didn't deliver to Matt Ryan what was promised. There's only one way to look at that. And the only way to look at that is is to say, we didn't build around him the supporting cast that we needed. Which is to point the finger at one guy. I don't think we have a Grigson Pagano situation here, but you got to wonder. Because... Yeah, right, clearly quickly tried to say and that's on me that's him simply being the fall guy right publicly all of a sudden you have two guys that have been put in a position to he said she said each other and that's toxic alone i'm sorry the reality is that there is blame to go around all over the place i don't really understand why for whatever reason Chris Ballard seems to be immune to it. I, you had, I mean, there's only two ways to look at it. One would be we don't have the supporting cast for Matt Ryan, which would be indictment general manager. The other would be Matt Ryan was the wrong guy, and we just keep grasping at straws every two years at a quarterback, which would be indictment general manager. Again, I, Ballard signs off on all of this. He signs off on the plan. Just because Frank Wright has a connection to Carson Wentz doesn't mean that, boom, Chris right. Ballard says, oh yeah, Frank, go ahead and do whatever you want. Oh yeah, you want that draft capital? You want us to commit those resources to Carson Wentz? Same thing with Matt Ryan. Let me, let me tell you, Kevin, where I think the Colts are a mess. I think the Colts somewhat are a mess for the following reason. You have 
a general manager who selected a head coach that then turned down the Colts at the last minute, which led the owner to then have influence over the hiring of a coach. So the general manager kind of escapes right there that fact in you know because this popular well-liked guy with the history of the franchise was still there as a backup plan and so that that worked out okay in the end and then at the quarterback position you eventually once you decided that you needed to go to a multi-year contract guy with starting experience you have a head coach who selected a quarterback and that didn't work out and the owner got upset with that so the general manager who really wasn't probably the one that selected said quarterback then had to go in and make the move to get rid of that quarterback at the owner's request and find another one out there and then at the 11th hour a quarterback falls into his lap and the owner then comes and says I'd rather have actually this young quarterback over this guy so like there are multiple layers of this of this like sour tasting cake where a different chef was involved and every time the piece of cake sucked i it, i mean the only thing that's been consistent for the colts in the last five years has been their inconsistency and i i'm with you i applaud the fact that they eventually just said you know what enough like the, the carousel's been spinning around and at one time frank reich threw up and at one time carson wentz threw up and at one time chris ballard threw up and now matt ryan apparently threw up and we've got to figure out whether that matt ryan threw up because somebody's spinning this thing too fast or just simply because he ate something bad I, what's going on let's put sam ellinger in there and let's see how well he can handle the carousel i that's what it feels like to me but we will find out whether or not Sam Ellinger is the guy or this is simply somebody who is being put in charge of steering the ship while they figure out what the next channeled waters are. Let's get some callers. Ray's been hanging with us. Good morning, Ray. Hey, guys. How's it going this morning? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, I, it, it doesn't help that um, this morning's looking somber and gray outside. The sun hasn't shined yet. Well, so. it's beautiful now, Ray. I'm looking right. Uh, it's <laughs> it's just starting to come up over the circle, Ray. Give it a little bit of time. <laughs> Maybe because it's my call. Because I have a little sunshine I want to get to with, with Sammy E. Um, I, I want to get you guys' thoughts on, I think the way to win with the young quarterback is defense and limited mistakes. I think we have a defense that can give them a good shot to be in games and things like that and just limit his mistakes because I've noticed Matt Ryan makes a lot of crucial mistakes at crucial times and gives the opponent the ball in plus territory. And so that adds points to the board for the other team. And I'm just wondering if Ellinger can – just hold the fort down and not make those crucial mistakes, those crucial interceptions, those fumbles, and those things, do you guys think that the coach can be in a position to maybe contend for a playoff spot still late in the season with this team currently constructed? Yeah, Sam Ellinger, thank you for the call, right? Sam Ellinger's never thrown a pass in the NFL. That's the reality. Tomorrow he'll take his first ever snap a starting quarterback in a practice um, outside of you know splitting time with Jacob Eason at Grand Park. So there is an amount of unknown that's still there. Um, but to your point, Ray, the fatal crippling mistakes, if the Colts just punted the football away 
and not turned it over at the rate that Matt Ryan was turning it over, Matt Ryan would still be the starter, and your record would not be 3-3-1. and one. Um, So to that point, I don't sit here and act like Ellinger is going to come in and be the starting quarterback and the Colts are going to lose their final 10 games. If he can just show a level of not turning it over, you would think the offense would at least get out of its own way. Now, is that enough to overtake the Titans? I, I can't say that. But I am not expecting this team to all of a sudden just the bottom totally fall out and them to lose the rest of their games. I don't view... I don't think Ellinger is this like boomer bust Jake. Like Jacob Eason to me fell into the boomer bust category of like it could look really, really bad. With Ellinger, I sure there are elements that I'm like, man, if that arm strength against real NFL speed on game day, that could get exposed. But I don't think he's just gonna be committing fatal mental error after fatal mental error that I think you have concern over some rookies when you throw them in there. Or some young guys, I should when say. When you talk about and you talk to guys that played the quarterback position in the NFL, the first thing they tell you, Kevin, is that it is a major adjustment in terms of the collapse time. In other words, you have a receiver open on a on a slant in college football, and you know, like, I've got two and a half seconds to get that ball there. I'm just throwing out a number. If it's two and a half seconds in college, it's three quarters of a second in the pros, right? The... The transition in that collapse time from college to the NFL is a major, major learning curve. How much do you think, where in the middle is it met in preseason? In other words, Sam Ellinger's looked very good in the preseason. But that collapse time, that window time between what he is seeing in preseason, how close is that? to replicating what he will see in a regular season game. Yeah, I think the speed in the regular season is much different, Jake. I would say the bigger difference, though, is now the Washington Commanders have a week to prepare for Sam Ellinger. And while there's not a ton necessarily of NFL film on him, in the preseason, none of that happens. And now Washington, in all likelihood, will have someone that, when the Colts get into obvious passing situations come Sunday, they're going to have someone that you would think would kind of spy on Sam Ellinger. And account for him when, you know, the Colts try to implement some run pass option, which of course is a part of the playbook they couldn't even tap into with Matt Ryan having that run threat at quarterback. Now you've got that with Ellinger, um, so it is definitely an uptick in speed. I would say more so it comes from the you actually have a defense game planning against him, whereas in the preseason, it's third stringers, XFL, arena guys, Canadian guys that aren't game planning for you whatsoever. What do you think DeForest Buckner, Stephon Gilmore, Jonathan Taylor, what are they thinking? Yeah, I'm, that's a really good question, Jake. Uh, part of me says WTF. Yeah. That's their thought. But then, Jake, I also sit here and think, isn't there an element of them that they were like, guys, he leads the league in interceptions. He leads the league in fumbles. If any of us we're dead last in the NFL at our jobs, we'd be with Rodrigo Blankenship and maybe Matt Hawk. We'd be gone. So I, I, I see it two ways. I see it one way of a, can you believe he just led us on a fourth quarter comeback after Jacksonville, and now a week later he's benched, and we're going with a guy that's never thrown a pass in the NFL? That's one side of it. But then I also can sit here and think some guys that are literally being like, we've been down nine straight games at halftime. 
We've been down double scores in you know how many of these AFC South games this season, largely because of him. So I, I, I can see it both ways. I'd love to give true serum to a lot of those veterans. I, I can see okay. I can really see a split locker room. If you're frankly. Matt Ryan, do you become Kerry Collins and like this injury leads to you going back to playing country music on your porch? Which is exactly what happened to Kerry Collins. Remember, like Kerry Collins got hurt and it was like uh Collins is questionable on the injury and you never saw him again. Is Matt Ryan going to be around, working out, sitting in the film rooms? Yeah, I. It sounds like he'll be inactive. He's not going to practice. I, you know, he strikes me as a guy that'll be a good pro. But you know, if I'm him, I'm trying to soak up some of these nice days of fall. And if that shoulder's okay, I'm getting out and playing the very nice golf course that I live on here in the Indianapolis area. <laughs> right. He's got a couple. He's got a couple weeks left for that. Right. Maybe take the kids down to Brown County. Sure. The zoo. I think it's a good time on a Tuesday morning to go to the zoo. You know, can avoid the weekend crowd there. Uh, Andre's been hanging in there with us. What's up, Andre? Hey, what's up, guys? I don't know if you're still keeping a tally where you're getting callers from. I'm calling from McKinney, Texas. I'm from Muncie originally. McKinney. So are you a Ellinger fan? <laughs> Am I what? Are you an Ellinger fan? Oh, I'm a big Ellinger fan. So uh, I've been forced to watch Texas football for a long time. Um, so I'm a big Ellinger fan. And I just want to go on and say this about Ellinger. Uh, at least there's someone, um, you know, on that team who's put in the work. Uh, Sam has, I think he's deserved to be here. He's made a huge strides. And if uh, he didn't put in the work, they, they wouldn't have thrust him in there. So just want to say that. Yeah, uh, By the way, is, is McKinney near the panhandle? No, no, no. So I am just uh, like 35, 40 minutes uh, north of Dallas. Okay. So I'm just in the burbs. So. That's nowhere uh, near the panhandle, by the way. Andre, if you don't no, mind they, me they asking, um, I would say Texas fans adored Sam Ellinger. Like his He's story, how he plays the game. He's easy to root for. I do think there's an element that, even in the preseason, and maybe it's just because I you know, will do anything for entertainment watching football in August, but I, I do feel like Colts fans are going to see a guy that might have limitations physically, but he's pretty easy to root for in the story sadly is kind of hollywood like yeah i agree yeah I, listen any any concern or or discussion about the colts punting the season based on this really is not an indictment on ellinger at all right i mean it's just the fact that he's a guy that hasn't played in the league yet to your point do you, do you know that by the way uh anytime that somebody calls from a state that has a panhandle you're required to ask if they're near the panhandle did so you know that, that would be Florida, Texas. There's only one state with two panhandles. Did you know that? Um, I know. I did not. Mark, did you know that? Did not. Do you know what we do I on drove this program? All those states the other week, so no, I don't know. Do you know what the goal is of this program? Educate and entertain. That's correct. Oklahoma has a panhandle. Texas has a panhandle. Florida has a panhandle. Mm-hmm. The only state with two panhandles would be none other than West Virginia. Just for what it's worth. Okay. So uh, if you say to somebody in West Virginia who's already naturally confused because they're from West Virginia, if you say, "I thought I was in East pan- Virginia," is that we the doing panhandle? Here? They have no idea. They're like, which one? Uh, what's next, Count? Uh Let's get to Adam. Let's get one more in here. Adam, you uh, were curious about the locker room and how they think about this. Yeah, you guys kind of stole my thunder there for a minute. I mean, you've got elite talent in Taylor, Nelson, DeForest Buckner, Shaquille Leonard. And I think what's most telling is when the organization publicly comes out and says that they apologize to Matt Ryan. And I mean, the staple of this team this entire season has been the defense. I mean, I, I kind of feel like 
maybe they owe apologies to some of the defensive players that have been out there busting their backs, keeping this team afloat, regardless of Matt Ryan's mistakes, keeping this team afloat. And I'm kind of on the, the fence right now that we're going to see a, a Christian McCaffrey-like trade with Jonathan Taylor hmm. because there's only so many years left in a prime running back. And if we're talking about putting in Sam Ellinger and putting in some of these other, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm on the fence of where this is going to go. But in order for this team to get better, they're going to have to blow it up. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate that. Uh, Jake, I think internally the owner – is not viewing it in that light like a total blow-up, but I would be listening to every single call. Again, the NFL trade deadline is a week from Tuesday. The fact that that Washington pick is now looking like a more of a third-rounder and not a second-rounder, um, I would be entertaining every player. I, I don't think there's one untouchable Colt on the roster. Here's a really good question on Twitter that someone asked. Here's an X-Factor, guys. Does Carson Wentz now help out Washington a little bit in the fact that he can offer a scout report on the guy that's starting at quarterback for the Colts this week that he could not have on Matt Ryan? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I, I'm always kind of torn on that sentiment. I guess there's Jake. no tape on him, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, when you are facing a former teammate, you know, someone asked me a couple weeks ago about that question. They asked it more from the defensive side of the ball. Well, it's a new defensive coordinator. Right. So, you know, yes, he can help you with personnel, but I don't know how much from a scheme standpoint uh, he can help you there. All right. Uh, Tony East going to join us here in about five minutes to talk a little Pacers. Bob Kravitz at the top of the hour. Let's do a morning check down. The morning check down brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll start with the NBA. Pacers last night de- uh, defeated by the Philadelphia 76ers, 120-106. to Rough start for Benedict Mather, and he did finish with 17. Tyrese Halliburton with 19 and 10. Nice game for Stick Smith. He had uh, double digits in boards. James Harden with 29. Joel Embiid with 26 for the Sixers. Other NBA winners, the Raptors, Knicks, Bulls, Rockets, Grizzlies, the Spurs, who a lot of people thought were... Uh, also going to go 0-82. And the Portland Trailblazers all with wins last night. After Benedict Matherin's 0-7 in the first half, someone sent me the gif of the statue falling down. <laughs> I did it not was paper mache. It was not actually bronze, right? Six of nine from the floor in the second half. A nice, nice recovery there by the rookie who really struggled in that first half. Thursday night football last night. Mark, congrats to your Bears. That was pretty Thursday impressive. Thursday night? Monday night. Excuse me. Uh, very impressive by the Chicago Bears. Up 10-0. Patriots come back, take a 14-10 lead, and then Chicago scores 23 unanswered. Justin Fields, one of the more encouraging starts from him. Yeah, his best start of the season by far. And, uh, yeah, looked good. Wasn't wasn't just locking in on one receiver. Made some good reads. They get rolled him out in the pocket. He looked pretty good. I liked it a lot. I, and, you know, behind that offensive line, I'm glad he's uh, he's mobile because he might be on IR if he wasn't. But he looked pretty good. Speaking of build mo- on that, please. Did he look pretty good? He looked pretty good. Okay. Speak- he looked okay. He looked pretty good. Of mobile, here was Frank Reich yesterday on Sam Ellinger being ready for the moment that's coming on Sunday. It's a big step, but we think he's ready. And this guy's special. Um, you all know it. Everybody knows it. Just talk to anybody. Just anybody that walks in this. Anybody in that locker room. You know, and uh, we're, we're fortunate to have a guy like, you know, we three really three quarterbacks like that. But Sam, 
he's got that about him. He carries himself in a way. He he plays. He practices in a way. Um, he'll be ready. He'll be ready. I mean, is he going to have some growing pains? Of, of course. Is he going to make mistakes? Of course, he's going to make mistakes. Um, but I think Sam will Sam will make plays. Sam is going to make plays. He's he's proven that everywhere he's been, and and we believe that's what he's going to that's what he's going to do for our offense. He's going to make plays. If he plays well. Does that extend the leash on Frank Reich? Yeah, I was thinking about this yesterday. Because you need Jay. a quarterback head coach, a groomer, a quarterback whisperer. Is Sam Ellinger playing for Frank Reich's job? Yes. The, it, no pressure there. By the way, Idaho has a panhandle. I should know that because Coeur d'Alene, Idaho is one of the most beautiful places ever. Great golf in that area. Really? Doesn't Chuck Pagano reside there? Or is that more Boise? I think he's down near Boise. Boise is supposed to be, you know, the uh, people in Boise are getting tired of all the Californians. They're like, go back. We don't need you. Bob Kravitz, top of the hour. Tony East to chat a little Pacers coming up next. Seems to be some debate as to whether or not Alaska has two panhandles. Although I think a chain of islands is what is regarded as the one area west of Alaska. And so therefore it is credited as only one panhandle. I mean, if we're going to say we educate and entertain, we need to get to the bottom of this. Say pray for those on the European tour guides with Jake. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you sure that that is Barcelona's smallest chapel? I do not. So I'm trying to get I some sleep. I don't want please. to sit next to the tall American. I don't. Uh, somebody did say that they wanted more British accents back on the program. Okay. Was that you talking in the mirror? Who said that? It's time for a little Pacers conversation with Tony East. Speaking of the East. The Pacers for Sports Illustrated and Locked On Pacers. And he joins us now. Uh, Tony, let's actually start with Benedict Matherin's first half last night. I'm curious, like, what you thought the issues were there and then how he rebounded in the second half. Because it is, you know, easily the poorest stretch we've seen from him so far in the NBA. Well, Kevin, I, I'll, I'll try to do it with a non-British accent, but uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. It was the first half where it wasn't working for him, right? 0 for 7 at halftime, and it was his first NBA road game. They're playing against Joel Embiid, who's a master rim protector, but in general, just wasn't there for him, and he was still trying to do the same things that were working for him in the first three games, which is why it was so fascinating to me that you know he kind of tweaked his game in the second half and went to, you know, a little bit different approaches of attack, still looks for the three a little more, but you know he, could, he couldn't get the shot to fall at the rim. He was still cut off from getting to the rim around screens in the way that he's been so successful in the, in the first couple of games of this season. But you know, the Sixers, to their credit, did a really good job of kind of playing a good game plan, not letting him get comfortable getting to the shots that made sense for him because he couldn't get all the way to the rim in a way that he's been doing in these first couple of games where he's been finishing so brilliantly over basically anybody in his path. Uh, so it was definitely his worst half as a pro so far. Couldn't get a single shot to go. Only had two points at the break. But uh, as we've seen with this kid, his confidence never goes away. And he, and he shook it immediately in the second half. Tony, if you were to look at this year's Pacers roster, which admittedly, as we know, is all just kind of a year-long experimental, almost like a tryout for who are going to be their centerpieces. Listen, we know that Halliburton is one. We know that Benedict Matherin is one. Outside of that, give me the names – if you were to list all of the players that are absolute future pieces that aren't going anywhere, the list ends where? It includes who beyond those two? Right now, it's hard to say anyone for sure. Uh, Jalen Smith has been staking his claim in the in the recent games when they moved him back to his natural position, right? He played power forward and in training camp in the preseason, and they moved him to center on opening night, and 
the first two games for him didn't go very well, right? I think he only had 15, 18 points in those first couple games, but they switched him back to the four. They started Isaiah Jackson at the five the last two games, and he's looked awesome, right? 36 points, double-double in both games, has been cutting from everywhere, hitting his threes. Defense looks a little better. You know, he, he has looked like the third-best pacer uh, and one of the best young pacers since he went back to the four spot, and you know, they were so excited to be able to get him this offseason uh, after having some financial limitations. You know, He's a guy that, if, if you're going to have to pick someone out of the young core who's done the best and has done the best job to kind of show what they can do for this team. It would have to be him. Chris Duarte, of course, was an all-rookie team member last year, former lottery pick, really talented uh, player, has had a really poor start to the season. In general, his resume suggests that he should be a guy that is a part of this core going forward, right? Good shooter, decent defender, but this season he's been, his shots been super off, and he's been having a lot of trouble kind of fitting in on whatever unit he's a part of. Last night with his best game of the season, he went four for nine and defended pretty well. But so far, it looks like Jalen Smith's a guy who's, who's taking the best claim, but nobody's really done a good job gripping onto a spot and showing that they should be on this team long-term. But between Smith and Duarte, they have some guys who at least feel like they probably will get a longer chance than just one season of a tryout to be on the pace going forward. I'm intrigued by Neesmith. I, you know, I, I know that they love – there are a couple of different guys, you know, like at the guard position, obviously there's not a lot of spots there in terms of starters. We know that it's going to be you know Halliburton and then Mather and then a 2-3. But Neesmith, to me, when, when he's on the floor with those guys – looks to be one that they're going to take a long, hard look at. Your thoughts on him? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And uh, certainly Rick Carlisle seems to agree because he moved him into the starting five when they were struggling after two games. And something he talked about with Neesmith is every night he wants to guard the other team's best player. And that's been the case in a lot of Pacers games so far. He got a ton of reps on Cade Cunningham. He guarded James Harden to open the game last night. And uh, you know his, his shot was amazing in college, right? His last year at Vanderbilt, he shot over 50% from deep and took a ton of threes. He projected to be this awesome three-point shooter in the NBA. That's why the Celtics took him in the lottery. And that hasn't necessarily been the case in the NBA so far. But for me, and for most NBA teams, if you can defend on the wing, there's a spot for you in the NBA. And Aaron Eastwith has done that for the Pacers so far, right? He's really athletic on the wing. He can stick in front of guys at least reasonably well. It moves pretty well. So the defense has been the thing that's kept him on the floor, and the offense has been a little bit better as the season has progressed, despite having some choppy moments. So he's certainly intriguing in general, just as a skill set they don't really have, kind of an athletic, defensive-minded player. And if he can kind of add that three-point shot, it looks like he could have had coming out of school. He could be an even more interesting piece for this team. So I certainly think they have interest in him, right? He was a big part of that Brogdon trade that happened in July. And so far, he's did a good job showing why they at least have some interest in giving him kind of heavy minutes going forward. Tony, I'm interested in your thoughts on Duarte a little bit more. A really slow start to the season. Obviously battled the toe late last year and in the offseason. You know, we saw him for a brief appearance in the summer league. Um, what have you seen from him? It, with a naked eye, I feel like he's getting some decent looks. Yeah, you can't ignore the stats at some point, right? Because I agree with you, you know, both looking at the stats of, his, of how open his looks are and watching him. And he is taking shots that you'd consider good shots or shots he should be taking, but they're not going in at all. And so <laughs> at some point, it doesn't matter how good they are. If they don't go in, they don't go in. You know, 26% shooting going into last night's game is pretty concerning, just over 30% now. And for me, it was not necessarily that it was shots were going in or not. It's that he didn't feel like he was just totally connected with his teammates in a way that he was at times last season. Right? He opened last season 
fantastic. I mean, that level was even above what I think the Pacers he expected. But, you know, that 27-point game showed how he can fit in both as a shooter and kind of an off-the-dribble threat. And this year, when he's creating for himself or even when he's open, he just hasn't been able to to make plays happen in a way that he did last year. And uh, I think that that is sort of concerning just from a fit perspective. But it's weird because his skill set doesn't seem like it should be tied to any – you know, lineup or any other player, but it just seems like he's kind of floating when he's out there in a way that isn't connected to the rest of his teammates. But on the other hand, like you said, the shots that he's taking are good shots. They're open looks. Like, he went four for nine last night and didn't have to work that hard to do it. You know, he only took two shots that were kind of questionable quality at best. So I I think he will bounce back in terms of finishing plays, and I think his shot will bounce back. I think his percentages will come up. It's only been four games. It's been less than 200 minutes of Pacers basketball so far this season. But at the same time, it's weird that he just hasn't felt as connected with the lineups he's been a part of as he was last season, and he's taken some hard hits along the way. Uh, any update on Miles and his return? And, and you know, with him out, I'm glad to see that Carlisle has gone to more Isaiah Jackson, more Gogo Batadze. I think it's critical to feed them the five minutes, uh, starting five minutes, and um, you know, try and get an evaluation there. Yeah, they needed to get all those guys in there, which which has been, I guess, the only silver lining, if there are any, to uh, this Turner injury. I think that Carlisle told reporters before the game last night the expectation is still that. You know, some point on this coming road trip, which spans through next Monday in Brooklyn, uh, Turner could return to the floor. That's what he told us last week when he, you know, Shea Miles clearing it up for us himself. Uh, but he said he thinks it will be on this coming road trip. Shams Trani reported like a little over a week when it happened last Wednesday. So, you know, they play on ESPN on Friday. That seems like a, uh, a decent time for him to try to potentially return. Uh, when they play the Wizards, maybe he could go. Uh, tomorrow against the Bulls in Chicago, but it seems like at some point on this road trip, maybe in the next couple of days, we'll see a Turner debut for the first time this year. Tony, uh, last question for you. Do you believe it's interesting to me because there are so many teams this year? You know, Adam Silver's come out like, oh, tanking. You know, it's not as uh, teams aren't aren't as interested in that as we think. Uh, come on, this year clearly teams are, and I think they know it. Um, Rick Carlisle didn't seem to want to really get into the discussion of what would happen late in games if he's got young players on the floor that he needs to see how they respond versus trying to get wins. Uh, do you think they like actively tanking is the wrong word? I don't want to sell Indiana short, but do you think that strategy comes into play at all of, hey, listen, this is about the future versus now? Yeah, I think you have to have those conversations, right? Especially with a team as young as the Pacers. They they spent the offseason, pre-training camp, whatever, talking about how it's a new era and they expect this project to take uh, you know several years. And Kevin Pritchard tends to statement about how it could not be the prettiest at times, right, in a message to fans. Like, I think they know that there will be games where it's ugly and that's a result of both the talent they have and the fact that they have the grace at least internally to to kind of experiment and do those sorts of things where when it makes sense you you play your young guys in a close game even if it isn't necessarily the best five guys to have on the floor to win that game at that time right if if they were going to try to win right then in that moment tj mcconnell miles turner would be a lock to be out there every single time right you know those vets have been there they've done it they think they can help you win in that moment and it's not that they're trying to lose. It's that they're trying to win with different guys than necessarily the best 
five they could have out there, right? So that's why I think the tanking word isn't perfect. Because they're still trying to win in that moment. They're just trying to win with the young guys and grow those winning habits, get those guys on the floor, get them the experience that they'll need so that one day they can be very good and they can be ready for that situation, right? So, it, yeah, I mean, I think every team has to think that way, especially one in the Pacers situation that won 25 games last year when they were trying to win, right? They, they had to change this direction. They had to go younger. So now they have to use those young pieces to build up to being the next good Pacers team. At T East NBA on Twitter, Tony East, uh, some Sports Illustrated coverage for the Pacers and also Locked on Pacers daily podcast there. Tony, thanks for providing a uh, break from Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger for us. <laughs> Matt Ryan's on the Lakers in my mind, Kevin. <laughs> exactly. Matt Ryan. Remember that last year, Jake? When we talked about the Matt Ryan on the Celtics during the playoff run? That's the right. shooter from Notre Dame who made a stop at a couple other colleges, and now he's like the Lakers' only competent perimeter threat. This from Greg. Surrendering in the middle of the season is the biggest money heist from season ticket holders that there is. We have five games of completely worthless tickets. I think that's a sentiment that a lot of people share. I don't think he's alone in that thought. Do you think the section of the fan base, Jake, or the season ticket members, and obviously this is Colts related, is more with Greg or more with good? Try something different. I'm excited to watch Sam Ellinger. I'm looking forward to seeing something different. The guy led the league in turnovers, the quarterback that I had to watch for the first half of the season. Give me something different. You're going to a different restaurant. You might not like your experience there, but at least it's something new. No, I think... Which is bigger, I guess. I think a lot of people probably feel both ways. I think a lot of people probably feel like, you know, I, I agree that this is the right move, but I wish they would have like told us at the beginning of the year this was going to be the case or that this was a possibility. Uh, I'm disappointed that I'm financially invested in it. I don't know that I would have paid full price to see this, but I'm still interested, so I'll go down. You know, yeah. I've already paid my money, so I'll go down now, that kind of thing. I, I mean, I do think that it's possible to, to feel both. For whatever reason, it seems, excuse me, it seems for whatever reason with, and maybe it's because there are just more people that this applies to, but more than any other franchise locally that we discuss, whether it be IU basketball, Purdue football, the Pacers, the Colts, Colts season ticket holders seem to be the ones that are often the most vociferous about their frustration with the timing of different things in terms of when their money is due. I can't remember what is the that other a one luck retirement reference. They well, just like in general, uh, yeah, just in general, right? I mean, I remember like Ursay usually has public comments about the team right before season ticket renewals. Yeah, exactly, that kind of thing. Like you know, I wish they would have told us this before. This ridiculous. You know, I noticed that they waited until after the season ticket money was due before they submitted. You know, that kind of thing. It is kind of crazy when you look at the Colts' schedule, home schedule, the rest of the way. Obviously, you have the Commanders this Sunday. You're at New England, at Las Vegas the next two weeks. Then you have three home games until the last game of the season. So you only have three home games in like this, you know, nearly two month stretch. The three home games are the Eagles, could be undefeated, and then Monday night football with Pittsburgh and the Chargers. So from a what to go to Lucas Oil standpoint, 
outside of your what your own football team looks like, seeing the undefeated Eagles and then a couple of Monday night games, well, some like nice entertainment pieces. You know, I said for I've been saying forever the Colts are going to beat the Eagles. I, I I might hedge that a little bit. You don't like that now? Is Ellinger a poor man's Jalen Hurts? So I saw people hoping for on Twitter. I think you you're going to get like a little bit of a bounce here, but then there's tape on him, and then I'm not going to say he comes back to reality. Well, because we don't know what reality is for him. I, I I don't think I think the area where you and I respectfully disagree, Kevin, and I don't you know there's no way to know with which is right and which is wrong. I think the area where you and I disagree is that you feel like this move was made by Jim Ursay in hopes that they can still salvage something from this year. And I see this move as Jim Ursay saying that he realizes the ceiling with Matt Ryan was not going to get them where they need to be. So start it over. Yeah, I, I, I think there is a little bit of both, but I truly believe Ursay thinks that Ellinger can be an upgrade here in the short term. Given the nature of the offensive line and given the amount of turnovers Matt Ryan was committing. But do you think that Jim Irsay thinks that Ellinger gives them a better chance to get to the Super Bowl? Uh, no, I think, yeah. If you're you thinking, better not be thinking Super Bowl. If you're right. thinking that, you got issues. Well, that's my point. My point is that he clearly saw, if Jim Irsay thought that they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's still your quarterback. But does Jim Irsay just want a home playoff game? Which I know it's crazy to even talk about it in that light, but is he just fed up with not being able to win the division? He thinks, well, I, again, all right, maybe Tennessee. Well, if Derrick Henry gets hurt tomorrow and Tennessee finishes, you know, seven and nine, can the Colts get to eight wins? I am still convinced. So take this for what it's worth. I am convinced if the Colts lost that game on Sunday. With Matt Ryan struggling and turning the ball over, being inconsistent, whatever it might be, if that exact same scenario takes place and that game was in Denver or in Carolina or in Tampa, they don't make this move yet. I think it was accelerated by Jim Mercer's complete frustration, embarrassment, humiliation, anger over losing to a divisional team that has flat out yeah. made them their stepchild. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, Darren is a season ticket member and wanted to join that conversation. Darren, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I am not a season ticket holder, but oh, advice right. to them would be to consider it. Don't sell your ticket and don't go to the game. Don't let them have the, the gate money Don't as far as the, the concessions and the parking and all the souvenirs. Just... Just let the let the seats be empty as a as a message to them how they really feel. Um, my other thing was, I kind of think with Ellinger moving in there, it almost doesn't put us back in time. It kind of puts us forward. You find out what he can do. You know, Ryan wasn't the answer. So if 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 they're going to make the decision to move on from Ellinger at the end of this year, rather than getting into the middle of next year and having it happen, I, I just. I think the time is right for for them to do it. Darren, thank you. You said Tim is the season ticket member, Mark, since 84. Is that right, Tim? Absolutely, yes. Ever since they got here. I went with my dad in the beginning. I can remember Rick Venturi dancing across the field when we went 1-15. and (laughs) Rick Venturi dancing. I love it. Uh, Where are you? You think it's a heist, or are you looking forward to Sunday? 
looking forward to it. And these people that are calling in and saying anything different, I wonder if they're real season ticket holders. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm a fan. I bleed for them. And uh, Sam, you, you got to find out if Sam's any good. Matt, no matter what anybody says, he lost the game uh, last Sunday. So it's time to put uh, Sam in and see if he does any good. And if you got something there, then you can spend your draft capital somewhere else. Does it make you in any way, shape, or form question the stability of the franchise in terms of the decision-making that takes place? It, You know, everybody that I know is against Frank, and I probably in my head am as well, but he's such a nice guy. So, yes, I, I think Frank and Chris, if it's time for him to go, they both go. But I actually think they're going to get another year. I think they're going to try to give Frank a young quarterback, and that's why they're testing out Sam. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair, Tim. Thank I you, appreciate Tim, the call. For that. I think that was really well said. Uh, Bob Kravitz going to join us here in five minutes. Kevin and Quarry on 93.5107.5 The Fan. We are going to make a significant change to the starting lineup. We are going to elevate Sam to be the starting quarterback. So now, Sam Ellinger, despite the fact that Matt Ryan is fully guaranteed on his contract for the next two years, is now the starter. We did not hold up to our end of the bargain here, right? I mean, you came here and we promised you a top NFL rushing game and we promised you great protection. And we haven't really, as an offense, delivered on that. That's basically, you know, my message to Matt. This whole thing, there's something wrong here, man. There's something wrong with this football team because 1 through 53, or let's just say 1 through 52, they should be better than this. This team should not be struggling like this. Something, and it isn't just Matt Ryan. This is this is ridiculous. They're committed financially to Matt Ryan, but shoulder separation or no shoulder separation, Frank Reich says this was going to be the move. This yeah. is a sea change right now in Indianapolis. Jake, I was thinking yesterday when Frank Reich made those comments, uh, that Zoom with him was around 2 o'clock yesterday, and I'm thinking, boy, that was like 24 hours removed from those comments that we heard from halftime on Sunday when the tone about Matt Ryan was Uh a little different. We have Matt Ryan. (laughs) Uh Which I guess they still have him, right? Just now as the third quarterback? Clearly just trying to instill some confidence in Matt Ryan at that point, I guess, but that didn't last long. Right? I'm glad I didn't like put in a t-shirt order to have made up. We have Matt Ryan. I waited on that one. I'm glad I did. Well, Smart. You, all you have that. to do is change the, the the V, and then you can have one that just says, I, I don't want to say VD. Uh, we had Matt Ryan. You just If you bought the t-shirt, we have Matt Ryan. You just get out your duct tape and somehow change it, and then you just have one that says, we had Matt Ryan. Because people did the duct tape with the Wentz number two to now Ryan number two. That's right. And then... You think number two might not see the light of day anytime soon for... Is Jacoby Brissett number two? Flush that, are they? Also? No, nah, I think he was seven, wasn't was he? he? seven? Bob Kravitz is going to join us in a few minutes. We heard from kind of one side of it with Tim in the previous segment about a season ticket member, you know, intrigued, uh, ready for something different Sunday. I believe Derek is on the reverse of that. Uh, Derek, your your thoughts on this decision? Oh, good morning, guys. I've texted, uh, tweeted you guys several times. This is my first time calling in. Appreciate it, Derek. Uh, uh, no problem. Um, I'm on the other end, but I'm not as upset about what's going on with Matt Ryan now. It's just years and years and years of, of the quarterback purgatory that we're in now that's upset me. I've been a season ticket holder since 2010. I wasn't even living here when I first started buying the tickets. I was still in Mississippi. 
We didn't move here to 2012. That's how much I love the Colts. Um, I only had two tickets then, but now my family has expanded. We live here now. I have five season tickets in the club section. So um, just the way the team is going, the, the quarterback carousel, me being in the club section, the, the tickets are about twice as much as if I moved one section over. Uh, so I don't think it's a heist. I don't think they're doing this intentionally. I just don't like the value of my tickets falling because we've been in purgatory all these years. Will you maintain your season tickets? Well, on, in the club section, you have to sign a contract. Uh, actually, 2020 was supposed to be my last year on my contract, but we didn't, you know, they didn't have any fans go in. But they actually told our contract to the next year, so I had to pay for 2021. Um, and then I received a call from my ticket person, and they kind of massaged me and convinced me if you, you know, if you sign up uh, for another three-year contract, we'll send you these gifts and that, you know. Uh, so I signed up for another three years. So when this three years is up, I don't plan on renewing. Definitely not the club club seats. I would probably move back out of the club where the t- the ticket prices are much cheaper. What, Interesting. What town in Mississippi, real quick, Derek? Grenada, Mississippi. Uh, I heard you went through Oxford. Uh, you went to Ole Miss game. I graduated from Ole Miss. I did. Hotty toddy, buddy. <laughs> Derek, thank you for the call. Thank you for the insight. That's a conversation I think we can get into a little bit more later in the week with that. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic is joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Bob, I'll leave it kind of open-ended. Uh, how much Jim Mercer influence on this decision? A whole lot. <laughs> I mean... You know, when it comes to, to quarterback decisions, Jim is very involved. I mean, Jim Jim is the reason why Peyton Manning got moved or got cut. Jim is uh, why they draft Andrew. All these quarterback decisions are largely driven by Jim Ursay. And you can say that he's meddling, and he is meddling, but it is his team. And he wants to be front and center on those big decisions. Bob, when... When this decision is made and Frank Reich stands there at the microphone and says, listen, we didn't we didn't put the right pieces around Matt Ryan. Uh, my concern was my Grigson Pagano meter went off where I went, uh-oh, you got a coach here that's kind of pointing the finger at the GM. I don't know that it goes to that level, but in Jim Mercer's eyes, in your opinion, Matt Ryan not working out or needing to make a change from that is more an indictment on the head coach or the general manager or neither? Boy, that's a great question. Um, you know, probably, I mean, certainly the Carson Wentz was an indictment uh, on, on Frank Reich because he championed him coming here. He vouched for him. Um, I really feel like both those guys uh, have some blood on their hands for, for, for uh, Matt Ryan. Um, you know, do, do I, I mean, I, I was like you, Jake. I thought, gosh, you know, he's, kind of throwing Ballard under the bus, but then I thought about it. I listened to it again, and I had kind of a different takeaway. I think he was just trying to defend Matt Ryan by saying, we haven't played worth a crap around him. I mean, they still have Jonathan Taylor. They still have three highly paid offensive linemen. Um, so it's not like the, the, the personnel has gone south. It's just a lot of guys are playing crappy football. Again, Bob Kravitz with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob's latest, of course, on the Matt Ryan benching and Sam Ellinger, the new starter this Sunday. Bob, do you think this is more of Jim Ursay saying, we need to have one eye towards the future finally at this position? Or do you think Ursay legitimately thinks Sam Ellinger, if he doesn't turn the ball over, can be an upgrade right here in 2022? 
Yeah, I, I, I think he's been a big fan of Sam Ellinger for a while. I mean, I really believe that once they left, let Wentz go, or traded him, I should say, they they were prepared, at least Jim was prepared to move forward with Ellinger uh, if they couldn't find a, a somebody else like like Matt Ryan. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I think he understands that success is not a straight line. And, you know, I, I think if, they, if they're thinking clearly, they know this probably won't make a big difference, you know, uh, any more than Taylor Heineke is going to turn around the Washington Commanders. I mean, this team, the die is cast with this team. I think it's the right move. I think um, it, it brings a little bit of juice to this team that is uh, currently lacking uh, that particular element. So uh, I, I think it's the right time. I, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I was in Nashville in the press box. And I'm like, I'm going to write. It's time to make a change. It's just time to make a change. And I kind of let myself get talked out of it, my fault. And the next day, here we go, press conference, we're making a change. So, <laughs> I mean, my instincts were right, but I, I got, I'm 62. I got to trust my instincts. Hey, Bob, lost your fastball, Bob. A couple of questions that Kevin and I are discussing this morning, and I want your critique or analysis of it Bob Kravitz of The Athletic because as I've always said Bob I think you're as tied in as anybody that that we're going to talk to so let me begin with this in your opinion does this move happen this week if the exact same things unfolded this past Sunday but instead of against the bitter divisional rival that has owned the division and made the Colts their you know their little brother over the last five years that Jim Irsay has had to watch take control of the division that he thinks is rightly his, if that game had taken place on Sunday in Tampa or New York, do we still reach this conclusion? Oh, I'm sure the fact that it was Tennessee again uh, had something to do with it. But look, I mean, he, did, he is injured. I mean, this is not a bogus injury. I, I saw the hit. Um, that, that caused this. He was in a lot of pain uh, during the game, and I saw him in the locker room afterwards. He was having a hard time moving around. So I, I think the injury just made for a convenient, uh, a convenient reason. I don't know that losing the Tennessee was necessarily the inspiration for it. It didn't help any. I mean, don't you think he wants his best guys out there to beat Dan Snyder? Well, what? which leads to this question, Bob. And I agree with that, but but here's that leads to my second part here, which is this: Do you believe that this move was made? Although Frank Reich did say that the, that this would have happened even without the injury, for what right. that's worth. But do you believe that this move was made? And we're going to say, for the sake of argument, by Jim Irsay, did they make this move because a he feels like this is still a playoff team and they just need a little burst of energy, or b he realized the ceiling with Matt Ryan was such that they were not playoff contenders, and therefore, let's go ahead and start the rebuild now. I think the feeling is, let's see what we've got. Uh, I think I think it's the latter. I think they know that the AFC South is gone. You know, they're oh three and one. I think they realize that. Um, you know, I mean, it, what have you got to lose? I mean, if you play terrible and he's not the guy then maybe you get a better draft pick. I mean, I mean, it sounds like tanking from Wimbanyama for Christ's sake, but at this point, 
we know what, what, what they've got in Matt Ryan, injured or not injured. Let's see what they can do with Sam Ellinger. And again, the, the worst case, the, the worst case scenario is not that bad. They sink out the joint. They kind of tank. I mean, you know, they're not going to try and lose, but they, they, they go south and they get a better draft pick. And look, if, if, if Stroud or Young or Levis or Hooker, if one of those guys isn't on this roster, then they've got to look, they got to look really hard at what the hell they're doing and who's doing it. Yeah, could not agree more on that. Again, Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic. Bob, are you surprised at all they didn't kind of hide behind Matt Ryan's injury with this? Like, if they wanted to, they could have been like, you know, Matt Ryan's hurt. We're going to see if he can go this week. If not, it'll be Sam Ellinger. Hell, they could have put Ryan on IR for a few games. Like, they they easily could have gone that path. Are you surprised they didn't? Yeah, they were strangely transparent about it, you know. Because uh, Frank was asked, "Wait, would th- would this move have been made? Uh, you know, even if Matt Ryan had not been injured?" And he said, "Yes." And then we asked, "Well, is this for the rest of the season?" Yes. I think they realized what what we've been saying, and I've been writing for quite some time. Is Matt Ryan? God bless him, nice guy. He's done. He, he, you know, nobody likes to hear that. I don't like to hear when people say I'm not the writer I used to be. Nobody likes to hear that, but you know he's making a lot of money, and uh, you know you, you got to perform. And he has not performed. I mean, he's the turnover king of the NFL. They weren't going to go anywhere with him at this point. You know, you, you've eaten at the same restaurant. You might as well try something new. Bob, I threw this to Jake a little bit earlier, and curious your thoughts on it. Um, Chris Boward obviously has sold his owner on this. You know. Quick fix, band-aid, stop gap, whatever you want to call it, idea since Andrew Luck's retirement, which is eerily similar to how Jim Irsay handled the quarterback position, you know, back when he was the GM. Um, and then all of a sudden Manning and Luck, and you figure out what can happen when obviously you find a quarterback of, you know, sustained success and all of that. Are you surprised that Ursay has signed off on this path? Again, it's difficult to find the future. But I think Ursay saw it firsthand from GM to being the sole owner of if you want sustained success, you got to find it in the draft or else these band-aids, they're going to come off at some point. Yeah, but here's my question. Was Car- when Carson came in here, and he's, I don't know how old he was when he got here, but he had to be mid-20s, late-20s. I mean, I don't think they looked at him as a band-aid. I think they looked at him as the future. He was the, he was the chosen successor. Uh, he was supposed to be a guy who was here for several years. So I don't think, I mean, clearly, uh, Philip Rivers was a Band-Aid. Um, clearly, Matt Ryan was a two-year Band-Aid who's going to last seven games. But, um, you know, I, and, and I understand it to the sense, in the sense that they do have a ton of talent, or at least, you know, theoretically. I mean, seven pro bowlers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, do you want to that, that that window is open? You know, do you bring in a quarterback who's done it and been there and done it? I think you do. So, I, but again, I think they they looked at Carson Wentz as the future, um, and I, I think it's clear to Ursay and everybody else that next year has got to be the big draft. Does Matt Ryan now become Bob Kerry Collins? And by that I mean, if you recall Kerry Collins. And I asked Kevin this earlier, 
you know, for those of us that are old enough that were around when Kerry Collins, when they decided like, okay, this ain't it. He he had like some injury that put him on the, I think it was a, a concussion actually, but he had it for like 10 weeks. We never right. saw him again. I still haven't seen him, right? I think he's right. playing guitar on his porch somewhere. Uh, is that Matt Ryan's fate? Is Matt Ryan go back to Atlanta now and this is the end of it? Or is he around yeah. and he works out and he's a good guy and et cetera? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, he'll he'll be around. I mean, I think he's got value in the quarterback room, but he's not going to see the field Apple's Colts ever again. I mean, uh, I just don't see, you know, everybody could get hurt and, and he's not going to play again. I Again, I just think uh, I might have given Car- uh, Carson, might have given Matt Ryan one more chance, but I can totally, totally see this. I mean, um, you know, the season, the season record-wise is not over, but I think we all realize that this is not sustainable. I mean, you know, the man leads the league in turnovers, for God's sake, and sacks. You know, the sacks are not all on him, obviously, but it, it was a disaster. And um, I, I'm still waiting for those receipts from Mike Greenberg. Did you read what Mike Greenberg wrote? Uh, we did a couple of weeks ago. No. Oh. He said, uh, after Ryan had a good game against Jacksonville, he says, I sure hope Matt Ryan has receipts on a lot of people who have been ripping them. Oh, that's right. Mm, boy. Did you send him yours? Indeed, I did. <laughs> hey, I mentioned this earlier. Bob Kravitz, the athletic, is our guest, and he is on the Payless Liquors hotline. Bob, this is what I would mentioned earlier. You know, you have Carson Wentz was kind of indictment on Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan indictment you know i know that jim ursa really liked matt ryan and then it doesn't work out and ursa has to kind of wield his power to get ellinger moved up into the depth chart and to the point of the starter and frank wright comes out and says that we didn't give matt ryan the tools that was that were necessary so now all of a sudden it kind of becomes indictment chris ballard but it seems to me like ballard is the one guy that Everything, all the arrows seem to be flying past past him, and nothing ever actually hits him. Is Chris Ballard in any way, shape, or form held to the fire by Jim Irsay over what is kind of a mess right now? Yeah, I think he is. But if you're asking me, you know, I've been asked a million times, who's in bigger trouble? I would have to say Frank Reich. Uh, I mean, you know, Frank is the one who signed off on Carson. Uh, he hasn't gotten it done with this offense really since Christmas of last year. Uh, and, and just the way, knowing the way the NFL works, I think they're going to give Chris Ballard uh, all the rope he needs and give him an opportunity to draft the successor at quarterback. Uh, my question, which I raised in, in the column today, yesterday, whatever it was, is if you can't trust him to find – uh, uh, the short-term answer, what makes you think he's the right guy to find the, the long-term answer? I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, he's got a great reputation around the league. He's done some really good things in terms of, uh, you know, the, in terms of uh, talent evaluation. But this team hasn't been able to get over Tennessee. And Tennessee is not, you know, the, 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 the 85 Bears. I mean, this is a, they ought to be better than them. And they, they have been dominated in recent years. Bob, last one from me. Who needs a number one pick more, the Pacers or the Colts? Uh, the Indiana Pacers, thank you. 
Indiana Pacers. Uh, oh yeah, he's he's. Uh, I already know where he's going to live. You kidding me? He's Wembenyama is coming to Indianapolis. Write it down. Yeah, I mean, look, if they if they pick in the top ten, I see no reason why they can't maneuver wherever they end up. They have got to maneuver and get get in the top ten and get one of those quarterbacks. I, I just anything else is utter malpractice and ineptitude. There's no way the Colts this year are I mean, the biggest lock in the history of locks is that the Colts are going to use their first pick on a quarterback, right? I gotta think so. Unless, Kevin, unless slinging Sam goes out there and gets it done, right? Hook him. That'd be an amazing story though. I mean, I it's not gonna happen. Okay? Let's make that clear. I I'm rooting for the guy. He is a wonderful guy. He's great to talk to. He's smart. He's he's got a lot, lot on the ball, but we, nobody thinks this guy is going to pull a Tom Brady, you know. And uh, no, I mean you, you've got to go out and, and it's enough with the band aids. You've got to go out and get your guy next year. I don't think there's any question about it. Again, Bob's latest, some more detail and thoughts on this situation. Matt Ryan bench before Halloween. Sam Ellinger, the starter on Sunday. Bob, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. The question you asked Bob there, Jake, about Chris Ballard, um, and you know Bob pointing out how Ballard you know, and the Colts obviously have screwed up the short-term approach. This probably will sound like I'm carrying Ballard's water. I do think the long-term evaluation at quarterback is much different than the short-term evaluation at quarterback. Like, I don't think it's that comparable. I think discovering a young college draft prospect and believing in him and thinking there's room to grow and all of that is much different than thinking that your environment in the NFL can take a Band-Aid quarterback and you can find success with that. So I just because you've screwed up one, I don't think automatically means you're going to screw up the other. No, I get that. but And again, Ballard was one of the earliest Patrick Mahomes discoverers of anybody. So... That evidence is on the table. I'm going to go back to. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier a couple of times. I understand, and I haven't heard Chris Ballard offer this excuse, so I'm not. I'm not indicting Chris Ballard on this. I've not heard Chris Ballard say, "Listen, Andrew Luck retired and surprised." I've never heard that out of Chris Ballard. Maybe he said it, but I've not heard it. But I hear it from fans a lot. Well, Andrew Luck just completely screwed this franchise. Da, da, da. Listen. When Andrew Luck walked into that press conference and said, I'm retiring. New England was starting Tom Brady. Miami was starting Josh Rosen. Tennessee was starting Marcus Mariota. The Rams were starting Jared Goff. The Chargers were starting Phillip Rivers. And now you've got, they went out and got Ryan Tannehill. They went out and got Justin Herbert. They went out and they got Tua. They went out and got Mac Jones or, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens in New England, but... The point being, there's been a lot of turnover at quarterback and a lot of franchises that have found themselves a franchise quarterback since that day, not all of which found them with the draft pick they were originally slotted to have. There's a guy out there that you feel like you have a need at quarterback and you need to get him, you go get him. I think the other thing working for the Colts in the Colts' favor for that is there's a lot of parity going on in the NFL. There's not a lot of bad teams. Like, 
There's a lot of teams with similar records. Well, there's not a lot of good teams. Right, but there's not <laughs> but a lot I of teams it. that are completely like, whoa, they, they they stink. The Seahawks are way better than people thought. Yeah, that's a good there's point. There's other teams that you thought were going to be top point. five picks, and the, the Colts are going to start I, I tanking just, and getting wins. You might be racking up that draft stock all I, of a sudden. I certainly hear you, Mark, but when you look at the top five right now, I see three teams that will go quarterback, 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 and that's Texans, Panthers, Lions. Yeah, so I mean you are, see that, but you but they've also I uh, mean Seattle, you that's putting that mix too, although they're right, winning. But but right now they're not in the top five. Right, like right. I, I hear you out, Mark, but like if the Colts are eighth or ninth, you gotta find a trade partner to get up there. And that to me is more the question because why would Carolina, Detroit, or Houston there, trade out of that pick? To Mark's point, there are two franchises that at the beginning of the year seemingly were slam dunks in the quarterback marathon or the quarterback derby, if you will, that may now start to rethink that in Seattle and the Giants. Uh, Seattle, I would think, still is, you know, Geno Smith has played really well, but he's not a spring chicken. I don't think Daniel Jones is the answer, but the Giants have such a lead already That's that what I they're going to have to really the Giants fall off may the, be face thinking, the earth. Hey, you know what? Like we can if we we have a, some pieces around them that they can win with them, though. And yeah, there there teams like the Broncos. They're they're committed to Russell Wilson. They're not drafting a quarterback. What I hear you. The Texans, the Saints, the Steelers. If I mean they just drafted Kenny Pickett, you think they're going to see what he, they do? So there are teams that the Colts are going to be vying with for quarterbacks. But I don't think, especially if the Colts are pulling the plug this early. You might you might start racking up losses, and you might be sitting in the catbird seat when it comes to the number one pick. You know the funny thing: we're sitting here in Indianapolis talking about the Colts trying to make you know make moves away from Matt Ryan, and what we forget that Kevin I think mentioned earlier: the two guys that were initially discussed that led to and the Colts missed out on, or simply. There was discussion about them coming here that forced Indianapolis to end up with Matt Ryan were Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. If Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are here, we might be having the exact same conversation. Packers suck! I mean, Rodgers maybe not as much, but I mean, Russell Wilson's been awful. Denver's got... The morning radio show in Denver... Did we look that up? Is it Ricky and Rocky? Is that what it is in Denver? Something like that. Mountain those, talk. Those <laughs> those Ricky guys. And Rory. Those guys have to be having the same conversation right now, right? They gotta be like, "What did you back up the truck for Russell Wilson for?" Oh. That's that's the thing. At least the Colts got away from that one. That would be a daps, absolute disaster. This goes back to the Frank Wright comment yesterday and the lack of support. Matthew text me this. Colts may not have known about Andrew Luck's retirement. They damn sure knew about Anthony Casanza's retirement with enough time to plan accordingly. What's their response to that issue? That is my biggest Ballard issue. While quarterback means more, guys, left tackle in Ballard's eyes, offensive line in Ballard's eyes, he has always talked about that position being so important. And yet with Anthony Costanzo making it abundantly clear that he was flirting with retirement long before he actually hung it up, you not solving that answer. So many people go back to 2020 with Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers had Anthony Costanzo at left tackle. A huge, huge reason why you were able to stable that offensive line, give Rivers the time that he needed to operate as a statue. No left tackle answer for the umpteenth year in a row, and now the lack of support has contributed to Matt Ryan being benched here before November. We let him down. That's what Frank Reich said. Pop quiz in five minutes. Quick morning check down. 
The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Watch this. Mark told me to speed through it. You ready? Last night, Philadelphia, James Harden had 29. Joel Embiid had 26. That overcomes 19 from Tyrese Halliburton to go with 10 assists. Sixers over the Pacers, 120-106. Other winners in the NBA, Raptors, Knicks, Bulls, Rockets, Memphis, San Antonio, and Portland. That was really good. I, I don't know if I can follow that Pick up. Pick up uh, the pace, Kev. Come Monday on. Night football last night. Mark, hell. Can, congrats to your Bears. They go up 10 nothing. <laughs> okay, Patriots you can say that part of 14 slower. straight. And then 23 in a row. So, Mark, 30. Was it 33? Is that the final? 33 to 14. 33's got to be the most points they've scored in quite oh, a while. By far, yeah. Matt Eberflus's uh, second half defense. Come on, Mark. Having to get up double pace. digit points in the second half all season. We don't have time for your Bears Justin analysis. Fields, more than 80 yards rushing. The Bears get a win on Monday night football. That's probably it, right? Colts That's today it. off. They've got practice starting tomorrow. Um, we'll hear from Sam Ellinger tomorrow. A pop quiz right now, though. 317-239-1070. Give us a call. Jiffy Lube Oil Change Up for Grab. All right, it's time for the pop quiz here. I feel like we got to go with number four, right? I mean, that's a good call, I'd say. Oh, boy. Sam Ellinger will be rocking number four under center this Sunday. Have you guys seen the Sam Ellinger We're Back Texas clip? That's kind of one of the more iconic I saw Matthew McConaughey tweeted Sam to him. Sam Ellinger college moments. I feel like that and bringing Texas back in the Red, R- Red River shootout. Jake probably hated Gus Johnson's call on that one, but <laughs> Gus Johnson was quite the fan of Sam Ellinger bringing Texas back in that game. <laughs> if there was a Gus Johnson Spiro Ditas combo, would that just like both of your, your heads would explode? <laughs> yeah, I said this about Ellinger in training camp. I know it sounds weird to say watching him at Grand Park, but. When you watch him operate and he gets going, there is just like this easy to root for. Like I, I can see why he's oh, so absolutely. beloved, totally in the state of Texas. I'm curious if we feel that on Sunday. I feel like Sam Ellinger is to Texas football what AJ Moye is to Indiana basketball. Just like this guy that's a little undersized, but he yeah he maybe just, what, what about Coverdale? Maybe a little better player. Ooh, I think Moye was a better player than Coverdale. Really? Yeah. Coverdale was a good player. But Moye... I guess I, I think like, Coverdale's the point guard. A little I mean, bit Coverdale's score, fiery. Moye's You're right. a little bit more of a role guy. Is, and is Sam Ellinger from Texas? Yes. So, yeah. He went so then, to yeah, uh, that, Westlake, the the power. Him and Nick well, Foles. That's funny. That's, I think Westlake is the name of A.J. Moye's high school in, in Georgia. Really? Yeah. What are the odds? Same high school as Nick Foles for Sam Ellinger. Really? How about that? The Colts had two situations on their roster this year where one guy beat out the other and they were from the same high school. Nick Cross and Rodney McLeod from DeMatha and Nick Foles and Sam Ellinger from Westlake. Put a banner up. (laughs) Raise it. All right, Mark Dykton, let's go with number four. Who we got? We've got Carl. Carl! Hey, hello. What's up, Carl? Carl. Uh, not much. Just driving uh, up north here. Now, where is no up north? <clears throat> I got to go all over. I'm uh, going into Lafayette, great city of Lafayette, then headed up to the region and worked my way across the northern part of the state. Now, we ask nice. that you please drive carefully. Always. <laughs> 10 and 2, buddy. There you two. go. That's what I like to hear. All right. Carl, are you happy about Sam Ellinger? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not really a Colts fan because I, I, I root for him because I've moved 
uh, to, you know, in the area. Uh, so I think it'd be exciting. So for the casual fan like myself, I think uh, they'll tune into the Colts a little bit. Uh, on Sunday, Carl. Carl where did where did you grow up? You said you moved to the Indy area. You moved from where? I grew up in Southern Illinois, a little town called Flora, south of uh, Effingham. Uh, is that Westlake High School? <laughs> uh, no, no. But I was just down in Texas last week, and uh, there's a big game Thursday night game on uh, ESPN, and went by a couple of uh, stadiums. Went by the largest stadium uh, there in Texas. Pretty interesting. Thirty million dollars, believe it or not. Yeah, I believe it's it. It's different man. down there. It's different. Yeah, thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. It's it, 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 it's fun. All it's right, fun, Carl. Good so. luck. All right, Carl. All right, I will lead you off here, uh, Carl. Now let me tell you something, Carl. If you miss this one, then you are not only permanently banned from calling in the show. You're you might be banned from listening to the show. Whoa, Jake. Oh, we don't have enough listeners God. to do that. Oh wow. <laughs> Carl, do not uh, listen to what he just Where said. did Sam Ellinger play his college football? Was it Baylor, Texas, Texas A&M, or Texas Tech? UT, hook and horn. Yeah, see. The views of Jake Query are not expressed by Kevin. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. He's on vacation later this week, Carl, so we'll be very grateful for that. Uh, Carl, the Astros and Phillies open the World Series Friday night in Houston. Which team has won the most World Series championships? Oh, man. It's two to so, one, if that helps at all. Yeah. Uh, I know Philly, Steve, I'll go. Uh, I know. Let's go with uh, Philly. I'll just, all right. I was in Houston. Right. Quest, question number three. Confidence, Carl. <laughs> question number three. The Chiefs' win over the 49ers on Sunday gave Patrick Mahomes 55 wins over his first career seven, uh, his first 70 career starts. That's the second most by a quarterback in his first 70 starts in NFL history. Named the only quarterback to get more wins in his first 70 starts. Was it Tom, uh, Tom Brady, Ken Stabler, Dan Marino, or Otto Graham? Uh, let's go with... I thought you were going to uh, say Tom Marino. Sneva there. <laughs> I'll go with... Uh, <coughs> Marino, I know he started out and had that early Super Bowl, so some wins, okay. so good All logic. Right. All right, Carl, number four, Joe Burrow passed for 481, 481 with three TDs and a rushing TD, and the Bengals win over the Falcons on Sunday. He's just the third QB in NFL history with at least 475 yards, three touchdown passes, and a TD run in the same game. The first was Hall of Fame QB Norm Van Brocklin in 1951. Who was the other was it Cordell Stewart, Nick Foles, Billy Bleepin' Volick, or Matt Flynn? Oh my! What a what a collection of uh, individuals. We got we got Mark um, choked up there. Started to cry. <laughs> Let's see. So, uh, you repeat the names real quick. So, yeah, uh, the touchdown four eighty one rush. I'll uh, believe it or not go with uh, Flash Cordell Stewart. Seems like you. To run the ball. Although I was thinking Matt Flynn. Shows over at 10. <laughs> I, 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 okay. I, I love Cordell the stream Stewart. of conscience that Carl shares with us about each answer. Okay, Cordell Stewart, Jake, number five. All right, question number five. The Astros won 106 games during the regular season while the Phillies won just 87. That 19 win difference is the second largest between World Series opponents in Major League history. The team with the largest advantage in wins wound up losing the World Series in 1906. They, by the way, won the World Series and broke a huge, long curse a couple of years ago. Uh, are we talking about the 06 Cubs, 
the 54 Cleveland Indians, the 69 Baltimore Orioles, or the 2003 New York Yankees? I'll go 06 Cubs. Okay. All right. Let's see how Carl did. Sam Ellinger, indeed, UT. Yes! Uh, Philadelphia Phillies, correct, for question that number two. That is correct. It was a good start, but the only quarterback to get more wins in his first 70 starts than Patrick Mahomes, he went with Dan Marino. Jake, the correct answer? It was Lawrence Taylor's favorite quarterback, Otto Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy Volk and the 06 Cubs were correct. Get the come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our Please listen. Game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> we have Matt Ryan. Well, it was uh, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> oh, Combined Mark. two into one, right? <laughs> Double dip. You know, Matt Ryan. He does this weekly WTHR interview. I yeah, I was wondering what's going to happen with that. Yeah. Right. That's still getting the exclusive, I think, right? Right. We got the exclusive with the third-string Colts quarterback. Here we are. It's pretty big the first time around, though, right? Very big the first time around. Matt, how was grabbing Sam Ellinger's lunch today? That's good. Okay. (laughs) Do you think there's got to be an element of, like, Matt Ryan, probably his wife, being like, what? Oh. Like, I mean. We just got blindsided. Now, again, I think the Colts had some merit to certainly do what they did, but like you got to think Matt Ryan was blindsided, right? Maybe well, he's like, Arthur Blank never did this. Have you seen this. the line play? That wouldn't be the first time. Never did this in land. And to that point, Jake, and I mentioned it on yesterday's show, obviously before the news broke, he was favoring stuff these last few weeks. And right. he come up, you know, he kind of slowly moved to the bench. I felt like there was some lack of velocity. Oh, started to see a little more of it. There were a couple of passes. Lately. You're like, oh, was that into the ground? Well, in some of those balls, it's like, oh, it finally got to Paris Campbell. Yeah. And you're just like, man, he's, again, I brought up noodle arm yesterday. And... Yeah. All right. Any more thoughts on Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger? We'll take your calls to round things out. We'll do it one final time here. Kevin Quarry on a We have Matt Ryan. 13 minutes before the hour of 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. Good morning to you. Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Scotty Johnston hanging out in studio for the 10 or so minutes per day that he has human interaction <laughs> before he goes back down to the fourth floor. And You sent him away because he had to make a correction on a quiz. Like, Get out! It's like, let him have yard time. What are you I don't doing? think Scotty took that as condescendingly, right? I say that as a compliment because he works like... He does all of the things down there in the lab that make it possible for us to be on the air. Without him, we're not functioning. That is absolutely 110% correct. Uh, I've been talking a lot about the Colts quarterbacking situation and the future of the Colts, what it means. Jonathan joins us at 239-1070. Hi, Jonathan. Good morning to you. Thank you. Good morning to you as well. Um, I just wanted to point out that you were discussing earlier about the draft position the Colts might fall in, and I don't want to get too depressing about you know what's way off in the future, but there are great quarterbacks in college with bad teams, and sometimes they end up better in the pros, um, and they just fall a little bit. So if we're like in the middle of the pack in the first round, a couple of names that stand out are Anthony Richardson, who's stuck on Florida, and Tanner McKee, those are really impressive guys. He's with Stanford, so yeah, they stink and they beat Notre Dame. Yeah, sorry about that, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. I but you sounded genuine in saying that. I, I I think it's a great point you bring up. I mean, because the reality is, yes, the Colts are likely going to be a middle of the pack. 
um, drafting team. I don't know. Maybe they climb a little bit higher. I think if the draft was today, I want to say they're like 17th right now, Jake. And I also think it's fair to point out that, yes, there are quarterback needy teams right now in the top five. But, Jake, no, what about Justin it? Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, arguably the four best quarterbacks yeah. in the AFC, none of them taken first in their respective drafts. Allen was third. Uh, Herbert was third. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think, was fourth or fifth. So, well, I mean, if you go to evidence to point towards of, yes, they're all in the first round, which is important. But among the, the veteran, among taken. the veteran elites quarterbacks, who would you say are the tops? I mean, yeah, Rogers over the Brady, course of Stafford. their career. I mean, Stafford was number one overall. Rogers was what twenty sixth. Brady was a sixth rounder. I, you know, Brady was a sixth rounder. I was I was kidding a little bit there. As I said, Ellinger, his biggest curse was being drafted in the same round <laughs> as Brady. Right? God, I feel bad for him. If he was a fifth rounder or an eighth rounder, nobody'd make the comparison. But I, I do think this about Ellinger and Jake. I, I want to stress what will happen to Sam Ellinger on Sunday is going to be a giant leap. But I also think if you were to ask somebody, what's the closest thing to college football at the high school level? Sam Ellinger experienced that at Westlake High School in the state of Texas. That's the closest thing you're going to get to college football right. at a high school level. What's the closest thing you're going to get to NFL pressure for a quarterback at the collegiate level? Yeah, that's fair. I'd say a four-year starter at the University of Texas is up on that list. Right. So this is not a guy that is coming from 6,000 fans watching him at some Division two school, but yet he ran 4-3 and he threw a football 70 yards in a combine drill. So there's just some unbelievable traits. From a environment atmosphere standpoint, I'd be surprised if we see a ton of deer and headlights look. Again, I know it's a huge jump still, but if you're looking for encouragement, I think some of that is... Has anybody ever really seen what a deer's eyes look like in headlights because by the time you see i know they freeze but aren't you swerving like are you really taking a look that means you're headed towards the deer what time's with the your flight headlights on to spain wouldn't that be i mean quite frankly wouldn't the wouldn't you you don't have time to really analyze what it looks like right mark i forgot to share this with you yesterday jake called me twice in about 90 minutes mm-hmm. yesterday that's right Show prep. Startling, to say the least. <laughs> the first call he admitted was he just needed a break from studying. That is correct. He really didn't want to chat. He just wanted a break <laughs> from studying. Right. And then the that. second call, he was frazzled. He needs a ride to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Has he are heard you of deba- Uber? Are you, are you debating picking I, him up? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there in five minutes. It's a short walk to the red line, is it's it It's a short walk to your house also, which is why I asked. Why don't you... You should bang on his door. Yeah, I don't even know where he lives. I just know his street. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's one over from mine. Maddie, can Kevin come yeah. out to play? <laughs> you want me to ask That's you, Mark? Ball here. <laughs> Uncle Jake's here to change Max's diaper. Guys, want to play cops and robbers? Um, by the way, while we're off the rails here, I want to get Darren on because he has a conspiracy theory. Oh, boy. It's InfoWars on line four. Hi, Darren. It's David, but that's okay. Oh, sorry. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's wrap up this uh, crazy day. Uh, I think this has actually been in the works. Um the entire time for this prospect for Sam to come up. Remember, they kept him as a third stringer. Uh, where's Nick Foles? He sort of disappeared off the radar. Um, 
this was, they brought him up into the second stringer, what, last week, the week before. They've been designing plays for him. Um, you mentioned just a little bit ago, Kevin, about you've been seeing some different things in Matt's body uh, with his arm and his legs. So I think this has actually been in the works. I think it's been not necessarily designed, but I think they have been watching things a lot more carefully uh, behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, if Matt was going to be good, then no big deal. But now that it has gone in a different direction, um, I think we need to read a little deeper into the plans and the steps that they've made for weeks, not just uh, yesterday. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a conspiracy there. I think, David, that's... Yeah, I was hoping for a little more on the conspiracy front. Then you have to put the tinfoil hat on. No, that was... I think there's a lot lot of context behind that. Jim Irsay wanted this. Jim Irsay wanted this a few weeks ago. The reality is that Nick Foles moving from... If Matt Ryan was struggling and you felt like you needed to change at quarterback, Matt Ryan to Nick Foles does you equally no good long term. Yes. This is an ounce of hope with this. Announce. You have to see what's there. Before you dismiss it and go elsewhere at the quarterback position of the future, you have to see what's there. Got to find an answer. Nick Foles is the spare tire for a team that's venturing for the playoffs. Correct. He's not a... Once He's a two-game stopgap right. to keep you afloat if you are in a wild-card chase. Exactly. Yep. I think it's really well said. Uh, Chris, uh, we got about a minute left. You think Sam Ellinger is an upgrade in the short term? Uh, yes, yes, sir. Uh, more mobile, obviously, but uh, he'll be able to extend the plays, and uh, yeah, that that'll definitely be a big help. I'm not sure that the accuracy will be that as great, but uh, I think this mobility will definitely help. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Again, extending plays, we saw that in the preseason. I think he's, you know, a bit dynamic, honestly, as a runner. He's he's well built. He's not just some like four four guy. I mean, he's he's pretty thick. I think he can shed some blockers or uh, shed some sackers, and then the ability to make some plays in the open field. I do think, um, and Frank Reich mentioned this yesterday, You know, how many times in a third down this season do you feel like there's been an area for Matt Ryan to make a play with his legs and he just can't? Now Ellinger can. Of course, again, back to the game planning standpoint, you would think Washington and teams moving forward, the more Ellinger shows that, the more they'll try to account for him in that area. Uh, hey, Jake, is C.J. Stroud going to break the mold of Ohio State quarterbacks not being good once they get in the league? You know, it's it's funny for the Colts when you think back to, like, Tyquan Lewis and Quit Pickcock and Mike Doss and Anthony Gonzalez and Jack Muhort and for a long time Paris Campbell getting out of the gate. It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd probably – there's something about Ohio State players with the Colts that's a health curse. Is that superstition? Yeah, of course it is, but – C.J. Stroud's really good. I, I do feel like the biggest negative I hear about C.J. Stroud is what you just said, Jake. Ohio State quarterbacks don't do well at the well, NFL level. Let's give C.J. Stroud credit. He's the first one to be coached primarily by an NFL guy in Ryan Day. The challenge in a C.J. Stroud is the same thing about like Trevor Lawrence. And I think Trevor Lawrence is unbelievably good. But it, it is hard to adequately assess a quarterback in college that is thrown to multiple dynamic Sunday playing wide receivers in a college game. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he's thrown to guys that are going to be playing on Sundays that are playing against Wisconsin and Illinois. They're going to be wide open. That helps. He he looks really good, though. Really, really good. I'm picking up Jake tomorrow. <laughs> I'll shower for what that's worth. One of the two of us will have been You showered. need to rate Kevin's driving, too. 
Needs to keep that Uber rating. The son of a driver's ed teacher, by the way. Jake, we'll see that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> 10 and 2. I do think it's important to shower before a transcontinental flight like no that. No question. Transatlantic flight, I no guess. No question. Uh, Pacers tomorrow. Is it Chicago? Is that right, Scotty? 8 o'clock tip, I believe. So a little bit later um, on that one as the Pacers continue their road trip. Five games on the road, and the Colts get back to practice uh, tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.